This is Matt Allison, author and artist of Kankor. You're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. I think we'll keep that one. I hope so. That yes. felt good. That did feel good. A little, it's a little sharp, but I think it... It is. It, it, is, it applies. the subject matter. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah Harsh, yeah. abrasive, cutting. And like, and, and like you said right before, you know, never happy. It's because we... It's, the adage is true. There's money can't buy you happiness. Oh, I don't know. Although he's trying. He's trying off the yard. I think I could be pretty damn happy I could with be a lot happy. of money. I could be yeah. happy with some of the Powerball money, sure. Yeah. I was going to say, if, if one of us won Powerball while we're sitting here recording, I think money can buy you happiness, believe me. I'm going to be happy as a motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I assure you. I assure you. That's nice. But and I hope y- you're happy, because this is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 823. Oof. I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Can confirm. And of course, I am Spanish Scott. No, you don't want to be. No, you don't. You, you don't. You're not Spanish Scott. I, the fucking Lost ruined him for me. Because every time I see Spanish Scott, I think, oh, Sawyer. But it's not. It's oh, the wow. farthest thing from Sawyer. Oh, my God. You're not Spanish Scott. You're Jason Wood, everybody. What up? Here tonight on this, our monthly book focus episode. We call Book of the Month, appropriately enough. And this month, we're going to be taking a dive into Stray Bullets, Volume 1, The Innocence of Nihilism. Mm -hmm. And you know who brought this to you? You, the listener, talking directly to you. The Butimus patrons brought this to you, as they do every episode. They come to the Patreon. They they give, and, and we like to give back in return. Audio, video, images. Sometimes four or five hours of extra audio a month downloads now you can download some vintage fanzines there is the book of the month uh chime in but the big deal the big ticket is the dedicated slack channel that's where everybody congregates each and every day uh hot and heavy and talks about uh, pretty much everything from comics to to cornucopias so it's a good deal go look at it patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics one one no apostrophe get to it Yes, sir. Well, you know what? I was thinking, in light of the material we're going to cover tonight, I should be drinking some kind of bathtub gin, or <laughs> sure. or maybe yeah. some a moonshine, couple lines of blow, some lubes. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I'm just drinking water. But I I considered for a moment going to get some some whiskey, but I yeah, maybe I pulling out some hair on from a balloon up your ice. Yeah, yeah, some nastiness going on. Yeah. So what did you say you're drinking? Just cherry limeade water. Oh, same as last episode. Same as last, yes. I have a, two same cases of it. Two cases. So. Oh, there you go. Um, well, I too am uh, not not vibing tonight. Uh, I am drinking Schweppes sparkling seltzer pink grapefruit. Sweaty balls. <laughs> the sweaty balls. Sweaty. Sweaty balls. Yes. Uh, I am... Um... I am sipping on some bread and butter Cabernet Sauvignon. Ah, decided to class it up for the B and B. Yeah, I'm not sure. I like the sound of that. (laughs) What's the butter? 
that's just I, I actually left the bottle downstairs for a change. I don't get to read it off for you tonight. Um, no, it's it's I. It's a, I'll let you know. It, I've right. had it before, but it, it's um, but yeah, I just I didn't feel like having anything too heavy. I want to um, you know, we're well, well, Jason will ask the question, but I mean, it, it's just I wanted I wanted my wits about me, and I didn't, uh, and and I um, wine just felt right tonight after dinner so i was just like nice great what'd you make for dinner dap because you're always cooking up something delicious actually i almost didn't eat dinner because we had it's wednesday so we had pizza for lunch and i was kind of full even after we got home but um we're sitting on the couch and i guess my stomach was rumbling renee was like yeah no it sounds like you need to eat something so um the baked ziti that i made sunday night we still had some so Mm -hmm. i uh i just threw some in the in the nuker Okay. Nice. Nice. He ha- nice. He's developing a tendency to divert the attention in the beginning of the episode. Have you noticed that? We're, we've got to talk about comics. And J- Jason <laughs> opens up the vistas of everything but comics. Because, hey, no, listen, how about you, that wrestling? You, you, listen, Pavlov, you've conditioned us to, to, to vamp before and after the episode so you can get lots of your bonus content we up so. yes yes and it yes. also kind of just yes people are here to listen to us talk comics but sometimes I, yeah. some people might actually want to know about the people talking about i do comics. think that i think a lot of the people that, that are that are still so, around these days want to hear that stuff yeah. a little well, bit of insight well in in light of the theme of our book life is meaningless anyway so <laughs> yeah no this is yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've we've I know we all have thoughts on this, so yeah, we'll we'll, we'll we should get right to it. Yeah, I'm interested so, to hear yours because the puppy petting old lady street crossing David A. Price probably <laughs> had a hard time connecting with this book. We'll see. Yeah. So, uh, Straight Bullets, of course, written and drawn by David Lapham, uh, co-published and mainly is on the editor side. His wife Maria as well. Uh, by El Capitan at first. Now, now it's at Image. Um, first launched in 1995. Yep. And uh, so, um, Vince, when was the first time that you read any Straight Bullets? Uh, when the first issue was published. I assumed as much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, how about you, Dad? Oh, good. No, I didn't know you were going to. No, I have an. Un- it's 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 a very odd thing. I have an uninterrupted run of the original series. mm Hmm. And then I didn't follow it to image. I, I have, you, you don't, I have you don't zero have Sunshine and Roses. None. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now, when you saw it on this, you picked it up because it's David Lapham or because of, I mean, what, what, what prompted you to just be like, oh, okay, it's No, I knew it was, it was uh, Lapham, but. Um, I thought the cover design was very striking, right? right. Especially that big ass red. Yeah. Uh, three quarters of the cover was red. With uh, that's one of the things about this this collection that bugs the shit out of me. Why mm-hmm. did they not reproduce the covers? Yeah. But anyway, yeah, I agree. Yeah. Even even if you do a detail of just the art, you don't have you didn't have to do the whole cover. We just we, she, because the the cover art was always in color, which is right. not what you get on the inside of the book the books uh, for those of you who don't know straight bullets was black and white and it was always a treat to see the the characters in color mm-hmm. on the covers uh, not counting the amy race car color specials right but the um 
it was it was a, a a novelty it was it was it was a, a like a little bonus with every issue and uh, i just felt a little bit off that they didn't reproduce the the cover images within the trade paperback but whatever so yeah i bought i bought them off the off the racks for those two reasons and to be completely honest it was the first issue that locked me in i think the first issue is probably one of the best issues in the entire run and it just sealed the deal for sure for sure uh go ahead Dap. um i may have seen a short story here or there like from it may be some mythology but as far as a full-on issue uh let alone seven consecutive um not until the over the past couple of weeks, when I started, I, I, I finished it over the weekend. But yeah, I feel like a lot of the BOTMs lately have been first timers for you. It depends, but yeah, 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 they yeah. can be. Yeah, That's oh yeah, fun. well the Hellblazer, yeah, that was yeah. kind of all of us, or at least you mm-hmm. and I, Jason. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, this one, so I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to uh, beat around the bush here. I, I love this series. I think of all the book of the months we've done all these years, this is one of the, one of my favorite works. Um, I had read, so it's weird. I, I don't know how or why, but I remember reading issue number four, Bonnie and Clyde as a standalone thing. And so much so that I, I, I remembered every, pretty much every panel of that rereading it. Like I, I was that emblazoned into my, my brain. And after reading thousands of comics all of these years and 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 literally so many comics now i read i don't remember what happened a month later the fact that i i remembered almost everything that happened in this volume is i think in and of itself a testament to just how 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 great i think it is um but i read this like as a whole uh i read this in uh 20 i guess it would be 2014 it would be whenever whenever um he went to Image. Ron was Ron Richards was was the COO at Image at the time, and he he had a big hand in getting David to come over to Image, because Ron was an un so. For those that don't remember, Ron, who works at Marvel now, was um, was the co-host of of iFanboy, one of the founding members, and um, for a time, way back when we started this show, Chris Neesman and I uh, acted, did we wrote for iFanboy as well as did this podcast. And I remember Ron just used to gush on like an internal sort of not slack, but it was one of those other about Lapham and Stray Bullets. It was one of his favorite comics of all time. He always talked about it. And so when he got Lapham or at least had a part in getting Lapham to come to Image and they put out that Uber Alice uh, soft cover collection of the entire 41 issues. Now, actually, so there were 40 issues at that time and the 41st, like the final issue of the last chapter had had been just delayed by years because of, of financial issues that David was dealing with where he was making more money freelancing than what the straight bullets was selling in the market. But when it when he went to Image, he put out the 41st issue. Uh, they also simultaneously put out that Uber Alice edition, which is what I have. It's out of print, unfortunately, which collects all 41 issues of the original series. And then, as you said, Vince, they quickly lumped, jumped into first an eight-issue miniseries called Killers and then... Uh, and, and then the subsequent series, which I think went what forty-two issues, maybe for something like that. Sounds about right. Uh, yeah, and it, and it ended right right at right at the start of the pandemic, I think. Um, but anyway, I read so I read all 
the entire 41 issues of this in like a two day period uh, when that collection came out. And uh, and then I've read probably like however the first two arcs. So let's either somewhere between 10 and 12 issues of the of the new series. Um, I, ha- I but this has got I got to go and finish it now because I like now I'm, I, I'm, I'm sparked back up to go ahead and, and finish it, especially now that I know that it's done. So I, I but I love I just love this book. It is a wonderful piece of work, but um, Lapham does not suffer fools. If yeah. you think you're just going to have a light, breezy time with this thing, it's not, definitely not that. The narrative, um, they're basically done in one issues, more or less. Um, done in one in a sense where it's it's one storyline per issue that may have a dangling plot point at the end but it does not pick up from that narrative the subsequent issue you'll get more of that storyline maybe in the past or in the future but it will not come directly after the the issue in which you read it someone else's narrative will pick up in in the next issue maybe he'll go back to that uh, first narrative that you encountered with the third issue, but then after that, it goes somewhere else. And it's there, there. Uh, and again, if you're expecting a beginning, a middle, and an end to this done in one, you're not going to get it. They're basically vignettes. They're, 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 you're like a fly on the wall in a series of events that will play into the big narrative, not immediately. Um, maybe in a couple issues, you'll find out the significance of what you had read two issues before, but it's not, you really need to pay very strict attention when you read this book. For sure. There, there are, and, and for, I know you know the sense, but, but for people that, that are new to this tonight, or maybe because we said we were going to do the book of the month, Sunshine and Rose is the series that just wrapped up in 2020. That very much has the same time jumping form, but it does like it pretty much goes back in and fills in all the blanks of what you read in the original series. Oh, nice! But again, it, but it doesn't give you the. But it's not linear though. Just like you're saying, like it does. It's not linear. So it's it, yeah. it does it does it does go in and and fill in the cracks there and give you other one offs and and there are actually sites devoted to uh, a chronological bibliography of this. So if you're so inclined and would rather read it chronologically, they provide a. Uh, a, a handy dandy list of, of you could sit down and, and do it that right. way. Um, I, I I personally wouldn't do it that way for two reasons. One, that's not how David intended it to be consumed. Obviously, he, he or he would have put it out chronologically. Uh, and 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 two, I I think the time jumping is both challenging and rewarding because it does sharpen your focus and you have to like you pull you kind of have to pull at strings. Be like, oh, I think we've seen this character before and. Sometimes you find yourself saying, like, wait a minute, so this is before or after that thing that happened that I thought, you know, um, I find that enjoyable. But I know for some, like, like uh, I know with, like TV shows that do that, some people just hate, it's like Salt Peter, the time jumping, uh, just just kills them. And, and I would say this is not the series for you if, right. if, if you're annoyed by that, because that is the whole trope. i tell you what I did back in the day. I tried to arrange the issues by character in some kind of chronological order. Like I had all okay. the, all the Joey issues in one little right. stack, like the Ginny issues. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, I would shuffle them to make sense uh, as far as a, a linear timeline. Cause mm-hmm. Ginny's starts 1977, right? 
and progresses from there. And so, but it, it makes more uh, sense to read them when you get a, a when you have a a mass of content devoted to one or two characters, but it doesn't have, it loses the mystique, I think, when you get a story and put it on the back burner and another story is introduced. And when the third chapter comes out, which may be devoted to the first character, I think it's really cool that some time has elapsed whether forward or backward, and you're trying to piece it together in your mind. Like, that's a challenge right. to me. Right. Getting it all in one lump was fun, but it didn't It didn't put me through my paces like the reading it as it came out did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I will say that the cool thing, too, about that format for something like this, which is only the first seven issues, is you get exposure... You don't get exposure to all of the key characters, but you get exposure to the universe broadly, and you get a sense of the kinds of characters you're going to be following around from the, from the rest of, for, through the rest of it. Right. So, so which I like, right? Because again, if it was chronological, there'd be there'd be pretty important happenings and characters that you just you, you just don't even get a taste of in the, in this first volume. Yeah, and and again, Lapham's not going to tell you, hey, pay attention to this because it's important. Mm-hmm. He he just presents the material, and you you perceive it as you will. Uh, we'll get to it very soon, but there's something a character says in issue one that plays out a couple issues later, and there's not a huge arrow pointing to the dialogue balloon saying, look at this, remember this way back in issue one? This is what it, like, no, he's not doing that. You just, you have to deduce yourself what this stuff means and i think that's great because um interpretation varies with every reader right Mm -hmm. most of the events in these books is not well it's presented in black and white but um in in terms of the cosmic significance it's not black and white which is great I, i love it when there's a whole lot of wiggle room for interpretation yep yeah so let's start it off with issue number one, summer nineteen ninety seven. This issue is subtitled uh, "The Look of Love," and I, um, I'm guessing Mr. Uh, Wood is going to launch into song right now. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's a really disturbing issue, extremely so um, on a on a whole bunch of levels. Um, oh yeah, it's it's but it's partly sad, but but mostly disturbing. Um, it focuses on two men uh, of of wildly separated ages. You got Frank, an older gentleman, and Joey, who's I would say maybe twenty, nineteen. Well, like, uh, no, no, he's got to be older than that because yeah, because seventy-seven. We see him later on, and he's uh, a handful of. So, what would you say so. about twenty-five? Well, it, yeah, in in nineteen eighty, he is. Uh, in that party, he's he's certainly like he's walking, talking. He's not like a toddler. So, so he he looks like he's, he's around mid twenties, mid twenties, yeah. Okay, twenties, yeah. And and a younger uh, man named Joey, and they're driving at night because they're dumping a body, and uh, there's a specter that hangs over a lot of these issues, and it's a man named Harry. Harry's the big boss. Mm-hmm. Everybody seems to be beholden to to Harry. 
Um, most of the characters, if not all of them, are afraid of Harry for a variety of reasons. Uh, you don't get to see Harry in these issues, but um, he is a presence in in almost every one of them, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're they're dumping a body at the behest of Harry, and it's a woman that uh, Harry killed. And uh, Frank and Joey are going to clean up Harry's mess. So they're 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 off middle of the night uh, to dump the body. And uh, wouldn't you know it, they they get a flat tire. Mm-hmm. Absolute worst time to get a flat tire, as if there's any a good time to get a flat tire. But uh, yeah, not good. So um, they 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 pull over and they're you know changing the 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 tire. Um, and and then. Frank says something really strange that uh, Joey went to the back to get the jack, and and Harry and and Frank is like, "What are you getting another taking another hit on that?" And uh, it's implied strongly that Harry allowed Joey to have sex with the woman before yes. he killed her. Yeah, freebies. He says you have those freebies before you've done it? Yeah. Totally disgusting. But anyway. H- horrible, yeah. Horrible. Yeah, it's just, yeah, she's not she's not a human organism. She's just a, a, a receptacle for your mm-hmm. your entertainment. Um, and here's where we, we start to get the impression that Joey's not right in the head. <laughs> right? Uh, that, and, and I'm underplaying it. He's touched. Extremely so, so. That over the course of the issue... And many, many bad things happen, but Joey fabricates details about the woman and his relationship to the woman that did not exist. They only exist in his head. Um, he's in love with the woman. Uh, she, she, in return, was in love with him. Like None of it is true. The, the kid is just totally touched. But anyway, so... Unfortunately for this man, an officer stops and uh, he's talking to, to Frank and he, he sees the, the car's a shambles. Like it's littered with, with all kinds of stuff, um, not the least of which is empty beer cans. And, you, you know, if you see empty beer cans in a car and someone's driving, you're like, hey, have you been drinking? And, and, and Frank, you know, I had two a long time ago tonight. Yeah, I'm good, you know. Um that's when things as joey's taking the body out of the trunk the 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 woman's head bashes against the blacktop and blood splatters all over and then he drags it again because he's a little slight little dude and uh there's another massive blood splatter and the the, the cop is is actually buying Frank's story uh, until um, Joey, who was uh, supposedly relieving himself in the woods, the cop maybe turned to see what was going on in the woods or maybe he saw a shadow or something and he, he just cocks his head a little bit and Joey just opens up on the dude, just blows the cop away. Yep. Uh, and, and Frank's like, the fuck did you do? What? <laughs> but, but you got to give Frank credit. He's a cool cucumber. Yeah, I mean, chills, that, that's the thing, right? It's like, it's like, you know, 
you have this intervention where the cop stops you, you got a body, and, and then you're like, you're you're calm, you kind of talk him out of it, then things go tits up, you end up killing the cop, and he's not flipping out, he's not flipping no. out Joey, he's like, all right, man, like basically almost like consoling, him, like all right, man, it is what it is, it probably was the right decision anyway. Yeah, you let's, screwed uh, up, let, kid. Let, yeah, let's just take, all right, we'll just take care of it, and it's like calm as a cucumber, man. Yeah, uh, unbelievably so. Um, so now they have the cop and the deceased young lady in the trunk and the one panel that got me and i'm reading it verbatim so i don't want any hate mail please frank looks at joe he goes are you retarded he goes you sound like the goddamn rain man (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah this Um, is not a correct book it wasn't no um, (laughs) i mean you know a couple pages before that and well you know frank is Telling Joey to go take a legal one. He's like, he wasn't retarded last week. It's like, he's just, yeah, Joey's. Now, there's not. a couple things, too, I mean, that, that I think, and I guess it's difficult to reread this and not let the, what comes after, you know, play in my mind here. Because, like, if you notice on uh, page 13, he says, I never shooted nobody before. Like, so, again, it's like Joey's not, Joey's not a hardened criminal here. So the fact that he killed a cop is, like, a big deal. It's not like he was... You know, because in the beginning you think, oh, these guys are just hired guns. They're just, you know, they're right, a pair but, of assassins. But Joey was not a killer. This was not. This was his first kill. But I don't think it was. He didn't kill anyone before this because of a lack of opportunity. I, if he had, a, I mean, the kid never had a. I, I would assume the kid never had a gun. Now he's got a gun in his hand, and in, immediately he doesn't even blink. He just turns and just blows the cop away. Like that's. Even though he didn't kill before, chances are very good he would have if he had oh, a weapon. Sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. like so I, I wouldn't absolve I him. Learn over, the, over the course of the series, I mean, Joey's had a very, very troublesome upbringing. So I mean, he was yes. he was broken at this point. I mean, it's yeah, his twenties. He had seen a lot of shit. A lot of shit had gone down in his life. But yeah. mm. but you know, the interesting thing is that is that they when they get back in the car and they're handling it, like not only does does Frank not freak out over the whole thing but he gives fucking joey a fakata illogical ass pep talk basically trying to convince him that like he ended up doing a good thing for the world yeah on the cop yeah because bad people don't deserve no love yeah and frank's like yeah yeah well you know i how i what was he in uh he was in korea and uh there's yeah. a lot there's a couple of racial uh, slurs in there mm-hmm. but uh he said you know what I, I got a friend that 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 killed all these people and he killed their their wives and their dogs and and like thousands of them and they gave him a medal so that's a good thing making america safe and joey's like oh yeah okay all right i i yeah i see maybe um well the and the other thing is throughout this whole thing the only thing that's pissing frank off and he doesn't get pissed at joey shooting a cop he doesn't get pissed at him being an idiot he gets pissed because Joey keeps saying that he's mad at that Harry. Their oh boss, yeah, should, right. shouldn't yeah. have killed her and shouldn't have hurt her, and it wasn't right. And 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 you know, and Joey Frank just keeps being like, "Dude, like, shut the fuck up!" Like <laughs> Harry can do what the fuck he wants. He's killed thousands of you know, he's killed tons of people for far less. Like he, it's you know, she was his property. Like who cares? Like like stop. Why does it stop bringing it up? Like there's, like, it is what it is. You know. Yeah. And, and Joey's clearly feeling some kind of way towards towards Harry about all this. Right. And Harry's basically God. As, yeah, he's, he's he's the he's the criminal lord of this small area of the, of, of of wherever they are. Right, but like, they're they're all beholden to him. They all defer to, to Harry. They're in fear of him. They they jump at his slightest 
um, word. But again, you don't see Harry, uh, not in these seven issues. So they 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 go to a, a diner slash um, gas station, and uh, Frank is outside, and and Joey goes in because he really really has to relieve himself, and uh, he does so. And as he's coming out of the bathroom, um, he looks into the the lot, and he sees Frank with his hands up and and uh, a man he doesn't know and he sees a trunk open and Joey's like oh no and he just <laughs> just pulls the gun out uh, thinking that the man was going to touch the the dead woman uh, for whatever reason well that's the creepy thing right it's not just like that he sees the guy and thinks oh no or like or the, the jig is up oh like, he's not considering that no yeah. Yeah, he's like, I said, get your filthy hands off of her. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, it's like, it's like, my dude, like, you're not worried about getting caught for murder, but you're worried about, like touching your dead, the dead girl, like. Yeah, so freak, Joey kills the 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 long haired man that was talking to Frank, and then he turns around and kills the the gas station attendant, um, and and again Frank's just like, oh, okay, well, um. We got to do something about this. Uh, after he tells him that, you know, it wasn't my car with the trunk open. It was this other guy's car. And so I guess it's the cook comes out with, yeah. a, with a sawed-off shotgun. It <laughs> just yeah. starts yeah, yeah. blowing shit away, blowing out the window. And, and, and Joey's, Joey's in a bad spot and runs out of bullets. Uh, but thankfully, Frank also has a gun and blows away the cook. And now they have a restaurant with people who have seen this go down so joey just picks up the this the shotgun goes into the restaurant and literally cleanses the place just kills everyone yeah, in the restaurant <laughs> and, and rough. Uh, but it, it the the part about this scene that got me was like all right this this kid is really damaged um values human life yeah, he's a not at all. He's, he's not, not at all. Yeah, he's not in- but he's crying as he's killing mm-hmm. these people. Tears are just streaming down his face. He's wounded, um, and he realizes he's like, "This is it for us. We're, we're, yeah, we're never be free. Yeah, we're never going to get out of this." So they load up the car <laughs> <laughs> with dead bodies. The car is bulging with dead bodies, and they blow up the gas station. Put you know, they just litter the around the pumps with gas. Frank dumps his cigarette in it, kaboom, and then they they just go down the highway again. And um, this is where Frank starts to feel it because he he begins consuming mass quantities of beer. And uh, you know, there, there, there's more dialogue between the two of them, and um, basically, it amounts to Joey again taking the hard line like harry never should have hurt that girl right she shouldn't have done it and frank that's when frank just goes off the rails you know when when harry hears about this our lives are over we're done just just shut your mouth let's go dump these bodies right so they they go to a a, a lake and, and they're 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 on the dock hammered frank is hammered yeah and um Joey comes out with this ridiculous story that um, he's going to kill Harry 
because he and the 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 girl were gonna they were in love and she was gonna have my baby and frank's like what are you kidding me just because you had sex with her doesn't mean she's gonna have a baby did you you know you you know how it works right and joey just looks at him he's like holy shit you never had sex with a woman um and joe and he's cradling this dead body in this front seat with him like if it was actually you know uh, alive and and needed his attention and uh that's when uh frank makes a very very fatal mistake yeah yeah um he tells joey that harry letting him have sex with the woman was a joke and joey just shoots him in the head you know you see he said she was just a whore boom his brains are splattered all over the dock uh in the car and uh, Joey still doesn't like, watch your mouth in front of her. Yeah, <laughs> watch your mouth in front of this dead woman who can't hear you, <laughs> right? Uh, so, so th- this is important. Joey says, you know, she had a name. Her name was mm-hmm. Janice. Yeah. Um, and then the doc is the the car is is bulging with dead bodies. Frank's dead bodies on the dock. There's there's beer cans littered all over the place. Uh, Joey takes the time to bury the body and puts a little stone that says Jan- <laughs> Jan- Janice plus little Joey. Uh, that's a, that's such a fitting epitaph, right? Um, and he's still grumbling. Harry shouldn't have done it. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm coming for you, Harry. And then the last panel, and it's cool because Lapham usually sticks to an eight pan or a, uh, an eight panel page. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But when when the the zingers enter the narrative, the panels will more, more likely um, the four become one, right? And the last page is just two panels. Yep. And it's just it's striking because he establishes a pattern. He's got a beat to the to the narrative, and then the beat because you know when you have eight beats per page, right? Now you have two. So mm-hmm. the the tempo slows down immeasurably, and you're just yeah. looking at these two panels like the the kids in a bad way, dead people just <laughs> all around. It's like oh boy, but really this one was the stinger. I was like, all right, I'm powerless. I must read the whole thing. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. And and you know we talked when we did the Sin City about just Frank and and his ability to just basically just straight black and white and dominate and and i think that uh you know lapham this issue is illustrates that as well i mean it's just black and white there's no tones there's no you know there's no shading it's just black ink and and white space and it's just stunning i mean he's so confident i mean he puts a lot of black down on all these pages man like a lot yeah and uh and and it's i just it's like I, I hope people appreciate, it, especially if they're newer to con- like that. Is so hard, dude. Like that is not easy to do that. And, right. and he and he he's, I think that Lapham's another great. I mean, he's just phenomenal at it. He is uh, totally agree. But uh, just to put it in perspective, if you were a diehard Valiant reader back in the day, mm-hmm. and you pick this book up based on what you thought, oh, like you, plasm, you, right? You were gonna. This was a huge shock. To, right, to, right, to yeah, different style, fans, right, yeah. yeah, and mm-hmm. it's uh, to the point where I was reading the first issue and I was like, "Where was he hiding this stuff?" 
mm-hmm. right? Uh, because Valiant, I think, um, God bless him, we all love that OG Valiant stuff. I think they overdid it a little bit on the color in a, in oh, a lot sure. in a lot of yeah. cases. Yeah. And um, I, I love Warriors of Plasm, but a lot of that that. Um, on the green, a lot of the, yeah, I don't want to call it a toxic stew, but, but um, it was. Yeah, it was. there's a lot of stuff going on in plasm, and uh, in terms of color, and a lot of yeah. it's just not good. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is sans color, and I think it really gave Labum uh, an opportunity to just step up and say, "I look what I have in my arsenal." Bet you didn't see this coming, for and, sure. and I don't think any of us did. Yeah. Yeah, and it's worth pointing out that this issue, like you said, set in in 1997, uh, is the it is the final um, chronological story of all of Stray Bullets. It, this is the first issue is the last. The beginning is, is the end. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was I was, having, yeah. I was having trouble articulating what I was getting at, but yes, the because all of um kill so Killers was was chronological, the, the, which was that 88 issue miniseries that came out. Um, and and that takes place in eighty seven, and uh, and that's it. So this basically this is a t- there's a ten year time jump with issue number one of this, and that's that's it. Never. So that scene of Joey walking away is the last we ever. So even the uh, the forty two issues at, at Image date they, they they jumped around through the timeline, but it was all but but none of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything was before ninety seven. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which it, takes a lot of planning on the part of the oh, sure. the 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 architect of this series. You start your first issue with the last what the last page of the first issue is the last page of the story. It's yeah. It's maddening to think how you know that he was that conceptually aware of the whole structure of what he was going to put down for forty one issues and more that he was yeah. that confident. You know. It, it it's an amazing. That's why I love. Like I said, I love the first issue, but in 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 retrospect, be, also because of the statement it makes when you view the the first part of Stray Bullets as a whole. Mm-hmm. Dap, to give you some idea, um, the last so Sunshine and Roses, the chronologically the latest it goes is April twenty second of nineteen eighty two. Wow. Yeah. So interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have an Uber Ales book for Sunshine and Roses, do they? I don't. No, I mean not yet, because I, I don't. I would have ordered it, so no. Yeah, I'm gonna have to either scare those uh, trades yeah. up or get the issues. Mm-hmm. But so issue number two takes a 20 year jump, but we're going backwards. Inverse, backwards. Yeah. yeah. This was probably my favorite issue of the book. Okay. Oof. Okay. So. One of the most brutal issues is your favorite. Well, that's uncharacteristic. I, I thought for sure it would be issue six, would be because we'll get oh, there. No, I, I, yeah, we will. We will. We will. I'll, uh, and, and that's yes, yes. But it there's for reasons, there's a there's a absurdity to issue six, like an audaciousness that doesn't have. It's not grounded in reality. No, right, and that's what. And, yeah, and, no, we'll and as I and as, as, as I go through my notes, you know, it, it's I I had the, the the first thing from for every issue is the year it takes place in, and then we get to issue six, and I just have question marks, obviously. But sure. that's it, the point, yeah. But 
Right, I know. And then and then as I'm reading as I'm seeing this character, I'm like, wow, that that reminds me of someone, which mm-hmm. again takes me back to this issue. And 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 there's just you're right, Vince. It is it is extremely brutal. Uh but <laughs> there's actually a for me there's a likable character in the second issue which was missing in the first okay oh okay all right because i need to i i i need to find something worthwhile to i i need to connect to something and and if if it was which is you know, I'm not going to compare this to 100 Bullets, but there are characters in 100 Bullets. It, 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 it's, it's not the same thing. There, there, there may be some slight similarities as far as violence goes, but there's there's characters in 100 Bullets that, that I groove to. If, if this was seven issues of people just like Joey and Frank and, and the mythical Harry... I probably wouldn't have gotten very far. It's so, interesting because, because yeah, that is an interesting perspective. Because I would, I mean, I, I assume we're talking about Ginny, right? I mean, is that yes, yeah, yep. yeah. I mean, because because I, you know, as the series goes on, I mean, Ginny, by virtue of her horrible childhood, is pretty reprehensibly unredeemable yeah. by the end yes. of it too. So, yes. Yes. so, like, <laughs> so if you keep reading, you may it, it may be what uh, you thought absolutely. it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, and so it's just one of. The, but go ahead, Vince. Ah, I no, I, I I can totally see you at this point in the in the story, glomming onto Ginny because she is likable. Oh, sure. right, right here. But um, yes, yeah, yeah. There's just some unfortunate circumstances, and and because she's a little kid, and nobody ever believes what a little kid does. But mom is an absolute horrid person, and and she's dad's little girl, and and you know, it's it's just yeah, it it's. It's not even the whole, oh, it's Star Wars is going to kick us off at the first panel. But, you know, and, and we're introduced to a couple more characters because it's not just it, it it's not just two guys in a car. And that's all we're, yeah. we're seeing. We're, we're getting a little bit more of this world. Well, it's very important characters that are introduced in the second issue. Yes. Char- characters yes. that will appear, um, some of them, throughout the entire series. Right? Oh, for sure, yeah. yeah. I mean, Spanner Scott's arguably the, the right. main antagonist yeah. i mean at least in terms of, of who we see on 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 camera if you will right like because harry's not really on much but um an- another hook was that it takes place uh near a theater that is showing the first run star wars love it dude yeah. 77 star wars alec guinness on the montage it's great yeah so uh, great. We're, we're introduced to manny and uh spanish scott yes, sir. And, and you know they're outside the, the theater and they're talking about um Lonnie's new man, Harry. Mm-hmm. So there's now a hierarchy that's been established. 20 years prior to the events of issue number one, Harry was not the big bad. It was Lonnie. So uh, Harry probably definitely did some very, very nasty stuff to ascend to to the throne, um, all of which, you know, you'll see. Well, as Manny, as Manny says to Scott at the time, you know, he says, uh, have, you, have you met him yet? Have you met Harry? And then he said, uh, "Guys are real fuck." You know, like so clearly Harry's already got a reputation. Yeah, you know, yeah, pretty hard, um, hard, hardo. And they're hanging around, um, loitering, just just shooting the shit. Um, and they're they're waiting for a, a man named Georgie, and he exits a bar. So uh, Manny maneuvers Georgie into an alley, and uh, uh, well, he beats him to death. 
just, <laughs> just pummels the, the shit out of the guy. Uh, but seconds later, Spanish Scott takes a knife and jams it in Manny's throat, which we learn was at the behest of Harry. So Harry's making moves already, 20 years prior. Um, because uh, supposedly uh, Manny was having relations with um, Lonnie's girlfriend. Or uh, um, Harry's girlfriend, right? Right, and that's where it's, it's that's the interesting thing because as he's stabbing him right through the head, like you said, he says, "By the way, Harry said to tell you he's also fucking Lonnie's girlfriend." Like, and it's the also is bolded, and like if you just read it, you might think like, "Oh, he's like you must think, oh, he's killing him because he knew that he was fucking his girlfriend too." But it's like, but he says also, right? And you got to kind of like there's nuance there, like in yeah, point, it's not like lap. I mean, he's, all he does is bold the word also, so you kind of got to like read it out in your head and be like, "Oh, he's also," so he so that means that, that Manny was fucking her too. Yeah. Pull pull that magnifying glass. I said, "Oh, it says also," um, but then it shifts to a young girl named Virginia Applejack, who we all know as Ginny. Mm-hmm. Um, just came out of Star Wars, and she it's not <laughs> the first time she's seen it. And she's ah, pretending, you know, with the, the lightsaber, as we all did back then, right? Um, and she's with her older sister, Jill. And uh, Jill couldn't be bothered with with Ginny. She just wants to, you know, be with her boyfriend. What's his name? Greg or something. Um, and, and while Ginny's waiting for Jill to finish whatever she's doing with her boyfriend, she, she looks into the, she was looking into the alley and she saw the entire thing. She saw the altercation, you know, and this creepy-ass panel, um, Spanish Scott just puts his finger up to his lips and gives her the old, you know, quiet sign. Shh. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, holy crap. Um, and that takes, buries its hooks in Ginny. Like, when you're a little kid and you see somebody brutally murdered, like, that's that's a tipping point, right? Um, but unfortunately, Ginny's mistreated by her classmates, a uh, boy named Kevin. Um, there was a birthday going on in, in the class, and as as you know, kids do. The parents send cupcakes in, you know, and and they're passing them out. And the girl doesn't give Ginny a cupcake, and the teacher calls her out on it. So she eventually gives her a cupcake. And this asshole kid named Kevin takes the birthday cupcake and licks it. Yeah. And so Ginny grabs a pencil and stabs the kid in the back. Yeah. <laughs> she just freaks out and it's again it's one of those big ass yep. uh half page panels that um it's the kids are screaming the kids bleeding on the back jenny's all she's like rabid like ah, fucking she's, prison shit in the guy man yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but um yeah oh, well sure well i don't know if he deserved a pencil in the back maybe a, as as tom uh Ginny's dad said you know a nice swift kick to the nuts would have yeah. worked uh, yeah. just he as well a retarded bitch too yeah, yeah and it's, well I mean, it's been building obviously she's not this isn't just i mean she's getting picked on it's like you know she doesn't her, her friend she doesn't get a cupcake when everybody else in the classes obviously she's being teased and bullied before this so it's yeah. I, I, I took the whole incident to just be this was building and yeah she lashed out gotta walk like jesus though that yeah, you got <laughs> but and this is where you get a sense too like like so if obviously the parents get the talking to of the principal and the teacher and the, you know they're like oh you know she used to be such a good student so for, you know a class like we've seen that a million times in, in 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 you know kids going wrong it's like oh they used to be get good grades what's happened like what's the trauma and and you know like are there problems at home and, and of course and like the mom is like how dare you 
you know, like she's like, yeah. you know, no, well, I mean, that, great marriage, and you know, that's the thing with Celia. That's the the mother's name for yeah, you, those of yeah, you yeah. playing at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's the perpetual victim. Uh, everything happens to her. She didn't bring anything on. The universe is is just shitting in her bucket, and it's. You, I mean, we all know people like this. Yeah, that they're, they're and the just, dad's is pretty chill. Like he's, you know, he's not quite at the level of like, oh, that's my girl. But he's not like, he's not really like mad too much. He's like, he's no, he's he's upset because you know she crossed the line to the point where it could totally fuck up her life. But like the sentiment and the and the rationale for her being angry he's he's with no oh, i mean well you could tell the guy he's a bruiser he's a truck driver he's a big yeah. ass bear of a man um but his demeanor i think is not in line with his the, the visual like the imposing visuals of the guy he seems to be a fairly lighthearted, calm patient you know uh happy man for, yeah, I would argue he's the he's the nicest person on in in at least in the series that, that we at least the first issue. This, this first is small. true, but then you yeah. got to take a side eye to lape him because like the nicest guy in the book right, gets, well, gets, gets fucked I mean, up. If, if we haven't made it clear, I mean, one of the things that I think makes this book so powerful is lape him throughout the entire this seven issue. Sure, but it, he wallows in the decrepit parts of of humanity i mean he he there is really not much if anything redeemable and and or there really are very few if any i'm trying to think i don't there happy there, there's no like happy arcs here like 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 these people's lives suck through a combination of their poor choices and the circumstances with which they grew up and their lives are fucked. They do not. There is no heroic arc to any of these characters. Well, he gave you the mission statement on the front of the trade paperback. The book is incredibly nihilistic. Yeah. yeah. Nothing matters and what if it did? Like, it, 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 it's there's really no point to existence other than you live and you you die. You blink out of existence. Yeah. So so why follow the, the, the structures or the, you know, the scaffolding imposed by society when it really doesn't fucking matter anyway? You know, religion, society, all that shit doesn't matter. Um, but the 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 meeting with the 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 person from the school board, um, principal, principal, uh, it's it's only it only hints at what's going on behind the scenes because Ginny's home life, other than her dad, who's away most of the time because he's an over the road truck driver, uh, her home life is not all that great because her mother Celia is a rabid bitch. Yeah. Um, just blames the kid for everything, but she gravitates toward the older child, Jill, who's not an upstanding citizen. Uh, you know, the, the kid is, she's a teenager. She's doing what teenagers do, but the mom doesn't see it when it comes to yeah. Jill. She sees every, and, and she concocts situations and lies to her husband about Ginny just to, you know, to absolve herself. The, the kid, Ginny's being abused. The mother flat out abuses her. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Halloween night, uh, Jill leaves Ginny on her own while she Again. goes. Yeah, she goes make kissy face with her boy. Well, it's important. See, I think it's important not to downplay that because in this case, the parents say, "Okay, take take her trick or treating." Yep. And as soon as they start, Jill, the older sister, says, "All right, you go do you go walk the block. I'm gonna go take care of some business." And she right. goes and she fucks her boyfriend. But the the significance there is that what's what what is about to happen to Ginny is is irreconcilable and so now for the second time in Ginny's life jill's neglect 
has led to her having the worst days of her life. Sure. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, it's, and this is where Kevin comes back into the picture. This is see Kevin and his friends were plotting revenge. Pencil boy. Yeah, pencil boy. On, on Ginny. Um, and, and they chase Ginny. She's looking and, all cute, walking around in a little ghost outfit. Looking yeah, all cute, they, but that see that is so cunning a statement that they the 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 family isn't super wealthy they're barely middle middle class i don't even think you they would qualify yeah they're like middle, lower middle class yeah but but the kid has a ghost costume which is basically a cutout sheet yeah and but she's making it work right she doesn't and care Lapham, and again like lapham he drew like if you he draws it like a cutout sheet like that ah. the eye holes are ragged and and like it I, I, which again is like those are little things that he does that i i you know i hope people pick up on like but I it think makes he, sense that that her outfit her, her halloween costume is going to be just stark white because when she does get attacked it's no longer right it just, and, it and just, it, go ahead. no i think a ghost is very appropriate too because yes. the kid is basically a ghost. Nobody pay, yeah. nobody can see her. They, yes. they they just except dad. Tom Tom is the one, you know. Yeah. But um but they chase Ginny into the woods and they beat the shit out of her and Kevin takes it a little too far. He wants his own pound of flesh. He pull he pulls out a knife. And he starts cutting her face. Oh. He, he's cutting and he's 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 Taryn and, and this is a little prepubescent girl for those playing at home. Like this is this yes. is like you know it, it is yeah it, it is it is horrifying and, like, and again, it's it's the depths of depravity here. Yes, Lapham doesn't pull any punches. I no, mean no. Her, that knife is is biting no. deep. Of all, of all the times to give us eight panels a page, this is the story, right? Yeah. So Ginny does what any body would do and she she reacts and she tries to get out of the situation and she just loses it she she her face is slashed she just goes off the deep end she freaks out she attacks kevin she's biting him and she's she's trying to get out of it and they bash her in the head with rocks and and plastic weapons and the last page they they just leave her sprawled beaten and bloody on a carpet of leaves in the middle of the woods now if that's not a way to end a comic issue and making you feel like goddamn <laughs> like a little a little what probably 12 year old girl maybe yeah 12 year old girl lying cu- cut to pieces beaten and bloodied in the woods like if we, i mean it's like i don't know you you know that you gotta you gotta go take a shower after a while after reading that issue like it's it's wash the stank away. It's rough. It's rough. It um, it, it, there's uh, <laughs> not a whole lot of light in in Stray Bullets, unfortunately. But that's what drew me to the book. Is that sure. it's it's uh, it's it's. I mean, if you love Blue Velvet, <laughs> you're gonna really get a kick out of Stray Bullets. Let me tell you. Um, issue number three. Any you have any anybody have any further comments on issue number two before we move on? Uh, no. I- I have a question, but it will. I don't want to spoil it for listeners who may also haven't read it, so I'll ask you guys when we're done. Oh. It could be bonus content. I, it, it's, it's a random question about one of the characters in the, in the story. Okay. But remember good old Tom, because he makes a, another appearance. Oh, God, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. Half the minis. Yeah. So uh, issue number three is the subtitled The Party. Takes place in summer of 1980, so we got three issue jump to the future. That's right, Charm City, baby. Uh, and again, two charming uh, law-abiding citizens named Sonny and Led. They're they're running from the cops after a botched 
jewel heist. Uh, Sonny screwed the pooch. He was supposed to do something, and he did not do it, didn't grab the bag. Um, and uh, they have nothing for their efforts save uh, being pursued by the law. Um, Sonny, uh, they come up to a car. And, 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 you know, a running car with a man in it, and Sonny just shoots the dude <laughs> and, and steals the car uh, with the, the, the driver still in it. Uh, uh, the cops are firing, and unfortunately for the owner of the car, they, they hit him and, and kill him. Yeah, the cops kill him. They kill him. Um, <sighs> and and the, as they're, they're, they're screaming away from the incident, uh, the both of them are, are startled. They hear something coming from the back seat. Uh, there's a child in a car seat, <laughs> an infant in a friggin' car seat. Dude, thank thank God they don't kill the baby though. Because no, I was what? like, man, when I first read, I'm like, please don't tell me about to kill the baby. But like, you don't know in this issue that they don't because when they vacate yeah, the car, there's a president back there for you. Could be a dead baby. No, for sure, for sure. I'd like to tell myself they didn't go as far as killing. But no, I mean, either yes. Way, either way, they still left a, a crying baby <laughs> who, uh, left the orphan, uh, in in an alley in a bad part of the neighborhood. Just, yeah, like, without and, and tell a homeless person, "Hey, we left." That's the, the like, thing. That's the exact thing. Like Dap said, that could be a permutation. They could have killed the kid and gave you know, hey, there's a dead baby present for you in the back of the seat, or they're giving a child, an infant, to a transient woman pushing a shopping cart. Like yeah. they, and they don't even give it to her. They're just like, "Yo, lady, there's a kid. We got a present for you in the back seat." So the the, the woman could walk up to the car and and not see it and or, or see it and be like, "I'm not dealing with this," and just push her little cart away. Like that kid could be doomed. We don't know. <clears throat> the kids are straight both. It's already doomed. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and mean, meanwhile, like these guys are so reprehensible that as they're running from the cops on a botched jewel heist. <laughs> I got, like they find his wallet and there's money and so as they're walking away from leaving the fucking baby abandoned they're like oh there's 300 bucks in here let's have a party yeah okay i mean yeah. i wonder i the third issue in and i'm i'm I, i'm sitting here wondering like so many of these stories probably wouldn't have gone so astray these 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 holdups these stickups these these heists probably would have gone off without a hitch had the two people involved in the in the event if one of them wasn't a fucking idiot well i yeah I, we have mm-hmm. joey in the first one and now we have sunny in this one i yeah, think sunny's an absolute unit he's he's not worth much uh, no yeah. no yeah um but i think if we were ever to have a sit down with Lapum, just a heart to heart, and just like I would think, I would guarantee you that he does not have a very high opinion of humanity, uh, p- particularly. Oh, for sure. oh partic- no, I, I, yeah. And, but, and I know that uh, I was going to say Lapum and and ha- has said in over the years in, in different interviews that that uh, he, that the, a lot of the the kernels for these stories were drawn from he and and his wife's experiences. So they clearly didn't have great childhood. Now he, of course, says it's it's obviously raised volume to a hundred it's not like he was but but i you know i get the sense that that he and his wife did had, had very you know well problematic childhoods there's a mug shot right at the in, right in the beginning yeah. of the book i was gonna ask is that lapum because i, I yeah I, I, yes I, okay. Yeah. okay yeah yeah um I, mean, I was i always thought it was but i never really could confirm that but not only do 
do I think or assume that he doesn't have a very high opinion of humanity. I'm also very confident that he thinks the majority of of, of humans are just rock stupid. Mm-hmm. He's not wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're about, find, we're about to find out next Tuesday. Yeah, they 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 take the the money and it's like, hey, let's have a party. So okay, cool. And this is where young Joey enters the picture. Poor Joey, looking 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 touched as a youngster, yeah. just staring off up at the staring at the tall older people in the he, middle I mean, parties. He's definitely a nebbish. And you see, you, you see Rose, you see his mom. I mean, Joey's probably got to be the byproduct of like five or six men. It's just I can't. Oh, he's imagine. a cocktail. Yeah. Again, you got to assume that she probably smoked and drank like crazy when she was. So uh, he strongly. Yeah, I'm not going to support. But it it, it, later on in in the journey, uh, there are strong implications from Joey and others about who his father is. Right. I would bet he has fetal alcohol syndrome. I could well be. Yeah, I, I would bet. Uh, he's got that, the, the 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 droopy, lazy eye. Um, yeah, he's got the yeah. yeah. The, the but nose, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, the party's in full swing, and Rose, as David said, Joey's mom, is just trying to make it with whomever will give her attention. She's twenty seven. I believe, yeah, and and feels like she's well past her prime. She's she's starting to 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 maybe sag in areas, or you know, the the her skin isn't quite as tight as it used to be, and she's she's feeling. I mean, twenty seven's not old, but whatever. Oh, I'm sorry. Wait, okay, so yeah, she's twenty seven, and this is nineteen eighty. Joey was born in nineteen seventy. She said she has. She says I have a ten year old kid. Oh, there you go. Okay. So she had her had him when she was seventeen. So he was twenty seven when in the first issue. Okay, there you go. But if you notice, and so it's not to like, and I would love to ask Lapham about this if we ever get the chance. In the uh, in the first issue, when when in ninety seven, when they're talking about this, and he's he's talking about his, his sort of his feelings. He talks about how he was an orphan. Uh, yeah, Dad found me at a McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> and, like, and and I wondered if like that was like uh, obviously that's a lie. So I just I it was weird that like it's weird, but clearly like Latham obviously planned every new every new yeah. cranny of this. So it's on purpose. So I'd love to know why why he has Joey lying to Frank there, uh, yeah. like what the purpose of that was. But anyway, he's a big nugget. <laughs> no, I know, but like it like Joey doesn't strike me as the kind of person that would lie, right? Like he's almost like too stupid to lie. Like he's 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 absolutely out of touch with reality, but I, no, like I don't think no he's too stupid to lie. lie. He lied the whole narrative in the first issue. We we were in love, she's going to have my baby. We you know like that That wasn't a lie. He believed it. He's just mental. Yeah, he's he, lying to himself. He's, okay, but I'm saying, but I, that's different than this. Like, like he, that—that's him being mentally ill. He doesn't understand. He's, you know, again, he's he's a, so, he's a sociopath. But but yeah. that, that's not. But I'm saying, but but to tell to he he wasn't an orphan, and his, it wasn't, and his dad. He throughout the rest of the series, we learn he doesn't really know his dad. He has suspicions about his. But so clearly, that whole narrative in the first issue never actually happened. He, his, his, you know, his dad didn't find him in McDonald's. That, right. That's not true. Right, right. Those right. is his mom, and like you said, it was from born you know born 10 years old so yeah yeah um but joey doesn't want to be at the party um, well would you i mean he's wandering around he sees his mom getting not if i was seven but maybe if i was suits. 17 i would be yeah oh, for sure yeah uh but and 
dude that's about to fuck her, fuck his mom's like, oh, here, here, sweetie, you go. Mom's gonna go. Mom's busy. Go play and gives him a, gives him a beer and says, you know, yeah. gives his ten year old beer. <laughs> well, probably a yingling. Um, but ma- blood on it, so. mom's mind is on other things. She she wants to get get it get it. Um, and Spanish Scott uh, is at the party, but now he has an associate named Monster. It's big, yeah. clean. Yeah. You could tell this this guy may have um, spent some time in the military. Uh, he's relatively clean cut. Yeah, da- Dap. You remember? Um, I mean, I don't think Vince watched Banshee, but this this monster reminds me of the dude from Banshee, the, the right hand man. You know? Oh yes, with, yes, with yes, the glasses. yes. Yep. He was like super clean cut, prim and proper, but he's fucking yeah. the he's the he fiercest. Yeah, he will fuck you up if, yeah. if he gets asked again. Well, it it jibes because um, uh, both of whom uh, Spanish Scott and Monster are both under Harry's thumb, and and Monster says, "Yeah, I gotta I gotta cut out for a little while. I gotta go kill three people behind on their loan payments. <laughs> it's sure. I'm just gonna make a quick stop, kill three people. Yeah, you know, I'll I'll get it done. Um, but Scott." Uh, wants to keep an eye on Harry's girlfriend Nina. Yeah, yeah, and um, because Nina's going, well, she arrives at the party uh, with uh, friend Beth. Mm-hmm. Right, uh, Beth unfortunately uh, is is very bent as well because mm-hmm. um, she kind of coaxes Sonny to to piss from the fire escape into a window. Yep. Of the, like it makes no sense. Like you have to piss. Come on, let's go outside, piss in the window. Um but uh Sonny's buddy, the the more reasonable of the two led, he notices something's up with Nina, right? She's kinda somber and, and you know, she's attractive and, and led uh, you know, can I help? It's, you know, there's definitely an attraction emanating from Led's direction to Nina. Um but um, so they're on the fire escape, and and Beth looks into the apartment and sees Spanish Scott in the distance. And because they want beer, she urges uh, Led and Nina to go down the fire escape. You know, if you're going to go get the beer, because he doesn't want Scott to see Led with Nina, because bad bad things would happen, right? Right. Um, so he he make a you know tell Harry. Uh, so, um, be, while Beth abuses an old woman, there's a, an old woman, you know, and her husband, a neighbor, a neighbor's complaining, about a neighbor, that. she's been, yeah. it's so loud. Well, you know, so Beth basically accosts the old woman, smashes shit in her apartment. Um, so Led starts spilling his guts to Nina. Obviously he has no idea who her boyfriend is, you know? Yeah. Um, and he talks about his past and what a psycho Sonny is. Now he has to, you know, watch over the kid because he's yeah, just... Yeah, Sonny's his albatross. It's like his best friend that's yeah. a fuck up. You know? Yeah, he's just he's just all broken. and, and um... So they're going to get the beer and Led forgot his wallet, right? So he asks me, he's like, hey, give me your stockings. But they're pantyhose, right? So hot and 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 crazy. That 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 page, I would love to own that page. But that's... Right? See, that's how does one draw a line between, oh, I, fo- I forgot my wallet to... Give me your stockings. I'm gonna go That's rob this. Thing. Like, and, you know, I've, I've, you know, I have seen. I don't know where Lapham and Tarantino overlap. Like, I don't know if Tarantino's a Lapham fan. If they're like, you know, I don't know if they have any relationship or, or mutual. I don't know, but certainly, and I'm sure, you, like, lots of people have compared uh, 
stray bullets, to, you know, as something that that seemingly had some influence or coincident influence as Tarantino. Like it's it's a Tarant. This is a very Tarantino esque comic. Oh, it's, and it's exactly narrative. The, yeah. the the characters, and again, I don't know which came first. Like I don't know if Tarantino loved Lapham, Lapham loved Tarantino. It's mutual. I don't know if there's any. Maybe it's completely just random, and they're just both have the same kind of aesthetic taste for for what they create. But but it, there certainly is. If you're if you're a Tarantino fan. I would be stunned if you don't love Stray Bullets. Right, right. It's almost as if, like if, I mean, we've all seen Pulp Fiction. And it's almost as if Tarantino wrote that film linearly and then just cut scenes yeah, and yeah. shifted them backwards and forward. That's what Stray, Bullet, Stray Bullets plays out the same way. There, there, there has to be a linear narrative for each character. And then he just took chunks of it and put it before and after and inserted other narratives in between like it's a it's a it's a pretty cool way of um maintaining reader interest right you know yeah. so and that's what you're saying like he forgets his wallet so he was clearly planning on going to this liquor store and buying liquor but he didn't have his wallet so what does he do yes. he, gets, he gets he asks her for her for her stocking she she pulls off her pantyhose and he fucking he's like they know me here so he puts the fucking pantyhose on and robs a place and pretends to be a uh, a, a Middle Eastern terrorist, yeah, um, yeah. a guy of capitalist pig and an infidel, and fuck you, America, and viva Iran, and, and death to Jimmy Carter, and it's just like, so it's so the, so it's like not only is the dude despicable and like just because of inconvenience is willing to rob someone, but he's also like hardly racist and like fucking it's yes, like, like he's just a despicable person. On all the masterstroke of this sequence is the perspective that Latham uh adds to the the scene in the Nina coming in in the background she's walking into the um liquor store and he looks at her and he's like hey, hey okay go go ahead and he's got the shopkeeper under his his head under his boot and so you get a a long shot and then you got a real close shot then you got a same long shot and nina's wheeling out a dolly stacked with cases of beer like that's those those three panels are just amazing together i like the way he shifts the focus wide close wide like Mm. it's it's great Mm -hmm. um so unfortunately joey is uh subjected to a very traumatic uh event and why are these dudes fucking with little joey man like like it's one thing like you know like they're like hey the kid like you know mom's busy but like now these dudes are like fucking with the kid they're like messing with him it's, yeah, it's well, so horrible like it's so horrible they're horrible people they are very the, <laughs> it's horrible joey's crestfallen he just wants his mom um and one of the people at the party says she left she don't want you anymore and and he's like all right all right i know where your mommy is go in that door right there yeah yeah yeah, that's the one go in the door and so joey opens the door and sees his mom banging two guys getting pounded (laughs) and yep just getting getting double teamed (laughs) (laughs) it's the abc movie of the week um (laughs) lifetime baby yeah uh, so more Christmas movie. You know, Rose gets pissed. And this Cameron Bure is going to play the uh, going to play Rose in the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but okay. Um, Rose goes off the handle. Not not a lot, you know. I mean, she she's pissed, but she she doesn't stop what she's doing. Right. She just calls them assholes. Cause yeah. She's, she's, she's she, fucking with her, but she, like, she, she, she almost like 
you guys are jerks, not like, oh, my God, how dare you traumatize my kid like this? Like, she's just like, I'm trying to get my fuck on here. Like, you, you, you dicks. Like, let me be. But she doesn't stop to tend to her son. She goes back in the room to continue yeah. what she was doing. It's insane. Listen, she's got to get her fuck on, dude. D- d- come on. You don't. You, that's not you. That's not you. No, that's her. Right. But, you know, it's horrible. It's, no, it's reprehensible. It's in, her, I'm, I'm her, in her mind, she's like, and she explains later in the book, like, she's a nympho. She loves fucking sex. That's, a, that's, yeah. her, that's her Achilles heel. So she, I mean, she's trying to get her fuck on. Well, I mean, we all like it, but not at the expense of our kids. Like, that's fucked up, but whatever. Yeah, for sure. So, um, so this is where either um, Nina is cast as a broken victim in need of assistance or an incredibly manipulative uh, person because she asks she 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 has to know that Led is attracted to her and yeah. and she asks him to run away with her she's like I got to get out of here I'm 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 just fucking throwing it all I'm just leaving do you want to come with me I'm I'm just I'm never coming back and Led's like and I can't do that. I got things. I got, I got, you know, everybody uh, responsibilities. I just can't drop everything. And she's crying. And she's like, I'm, d- I'm done. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to the bathroom. I'm gonna get myself looking half decent, and then I'm, I'm out of here. You know, she and she touches his cheek, as she, which is pretty much seals the deal, because yeah. he, he watches her walk up the steps, and and then it, it, it cuts to. Um, Back inside the party, where um, Beth and Sonny dose Scott, they they just fill him with pills, and so it's lights out for yeah. the Scraggy Man. So they don't. I mean, they could do whatever they want now, and and Sonny's an idiot because he's like, hey, yeah, uh, how about you and me? And she goes, yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> hey, we had a good time, but you're disgusting. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not doing anything with you. And this is the weird part, because right after Rose um, laments the fact that she's getting old to Led, who's filling the refrigerator with beer, she's like, you know... It's his apartment. I don't know if we established that. It's Led's apartment, so it's like he's he's the host of this crazy party, basically. The party's winding down at this point, or soon to be winding down, yeah. Yeah. Rose is like, my life sucks. I got a 10-year-old kid. I'm getting up there in age. I'm 27, and I feel like I'm, I'm what did she say, like 40? 40. The, it's just horrible. And she goes, I, I, I should have got the hell out of here a long time ago. And that was the trigger. Yeah. That, that, like, oh, hmm. that line is just like, uh, Led's like, wait a minute. And he, so he just leaves. He vacates that the, the kitchen and just go, makes a beeline to Nina in the bathroom. And this is the, I just do not understand this way of thinking where he just met this person and he tells her he'll never leave her. And they have sex in the bathroom which moves to the bedroom. Now, we didn't say, but um, Led is is trying to embark on a, on a, a life of crime and knows yep. the movers and the shakers um, in said um, arena. And so he's trying to play up to Harry. Like, Harry's the guy yes, you got to impress. Fact, Scott had told him earlier in the night, uh, hey, you know, I'm impressed with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Harry about you. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. So um, they're post-coital. And mm-hmm. and you know they're 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 spilling well more lead lead spilling his guts to uh, to Nina like oh, this is the best I, 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 let's let's get the hell out of here and then Sonny comes to the door 
and says, yo, lad, it's your big shot. Harry's here. And Nina's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's because Harry's her boyfriend. And Led's like, what? Yeah. It's a problem. Uh-huh. It, it is my not. Big, my big moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I th- so any, any further embellishments on three? Um, no, I mean, I, I, no, I, I think we covered, I, I will say that, that, uh, and I guess this comes through a little bit at, toward the end of the, this, this, but, but in reading just these seven issues, you might not realize that, that Beth is, I would say the second most pr- prominent character throughout the whole series yeah. uh, to, to Ginny. So she, she become, I mean, she, like in this, she's kind of like Nina's, you know, friend side, you know, side, sidekick kind of like, uh, like wingman, but, but, uh, you know, Beth ends up becoming an absolute centerpiece of, of the book. Yeah. Um, along with Ginny. So, yeah. yep. But uh, there was one thing we glossed over. Um, I, I, I just made the decision to not leave it up to the reader just to, to show just how brilliant Lapham is where in one sequence, uh, with Rose and Joey, Joey asks, where's Janice? Yeah. Now, you don't know if Janice was a babysitter or a friend of Rose's <laughs> or a younger girl that, you know, would frequent the the parties that Rose would go to. So there was somebody in Joey's life, even on the fringes, named Janice when he was young. Hence the reason why Joey called the dead body Janice in the first issue. It's 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 equally it's brilliant and it's twisted and disturbing. Uh you know, it's the poor kid. I mean, I hesitate to say the poor kid cuz <laughs> yeah. Um so issue number 4 is a subtitled Bonnie and Clyde and it happens in on uh, November 2nd of 1977. So not very long. 78. 78 a year a year after yeah a year yeah two two years two years earlier than the party issue that we just talked about yeah my but, notes but are one year wrong. one year after the the second issue so uh, right. it's a year after we meet basically a year after we've met Ginny so she's she's already gotten she's already you know gotten beaten up she's gotten cut so forth so on yeah. scars are healing but yeah um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and by the way I will say that so for me I don't know favorite because this, this is like. But this, to me, is this is the seminal issue for me because it is so incredibly depraved on all levels, and like yeah. I think it perfectly encapsulates the nihilistic, yeah, motif of of the of the series, which is like there's not much point. Life is shitty, but it also <laughs> it also shows a lot of restraint from one oh, character absolutely. too. Yeah, oh, it made yeah. me it made me wonder if um, Ginny is ever after this able to trust. Anyone who isn't her father. No, no. Mm-hmm, probably not. No, right. <laughs> no. <laughs> not, no. So it's a couple days after Halloween, uh, like Jason said, uh, a year after the fact, uh, the, right, the, the right. brutal um, attack. Uh, and Ginny just decides she's going to leave home. Yeah. So uh, she's calling herself Jill now because that's the name of her older <laughs> sister. Um, and and she's she's uh, doing the old uh, uh, hitchhiking thing, right? Come out, baby. Yeah, but the the thing that was really weird is she she sees herself or, or she she's laying in back 
down looking up at the sky in a, in a in a in a grassy field and she imagines a praying mantis devouring her and when the mantis pulls out her guts there are comic books and cupid dolls and junk food it's really and and she's awake and aware as the the mantis is is chewing on on her substance let's just say it's really weird it's a giant mantis too it's not not a regular size mantis this thing is fucking huge um it's it's again it's just one of those flights of fancy that lapum inserts every now and then and you're just like the fuck is going on um so she's laying in the field and and a man and a a middle-aged man comes up to her and he's like hey you know what's up, kid? You, you you look like you need a a ride, and she doesn't know how to. Like she 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 uh, yells at the man because number one he surprised her, and and it's an older dude by her standards. And he, what do you do, right? So she's like, come on, I'll I'll give you a ride. I got some candy. I got some you know other stuff in the car. You look hungry, so um. She accepts the ride, and so she's sitting in the passenger seat, and she's all buckled in. And she remember, prepubescent girl, young girl, and this man who claims to be a descendant of Clyde Barrow. His name's Paul Barrow, and we know Clyde Barrow was the Clyde in Bonnie and. Um, he's like, yeah, my name's Clyde, and he's looking at her, and he starts licking his lips. Licking like, his lips. That he's looking at this. Worth oh. a million bucks with the grossness. Yeah. I mean, the this tongue is, licking the lips as sweating. he's staring. Yeah, he's, he's looking down at her, at her, and the, the, the camera angle, to your point about laughing with the camera angles, is, is like peering down at her thighs, and then yeah. you see him licking his lips. It's so fucking gross, dude. It's, um, and she's got her hands in her lap, and he's looking at her hands near her crotch, and he's like, ugh, yummy. Um, but, and, and Ginny has like a, a, what is it, a Buster Brown haircut? Like her hair's... Yeah, uh, yeah, like a Lord Fauntleroy. Yeah, it's, she's, yeah, she's so damn cute. And I think the scar makes her look even cuter. Like she's just like, she looks like Buster Brown, right? Um, and he's like, yeah, I got a gun in the glove box, but don't, don't open it because I got it. Like there's fire ants in there. And if you go to open that, you, you'll get like burned by fire ants she's like whoa well, that fucking twisted is that like what is up with that like, that's, that's cool though i know but how random is that like a like of all the three you know like there's a fire ant trap like but, but is, and so lapum has a panel where there's an actual ant on the glove box and you yeah. don't know whether that's Ginny fabricating or, or or um conjuring the image of a of a ant on it in her mind, or if there was actually an ant on the glove box, like you don't know, it's not spelled out for you. Um, so she kind of confesses. She goes, "Yeah, my, my name's not Jill. It's Virginia. You know, I'm Virginia Applejack." And and they're riding for a while, and and he he's trying to play it up like he's this criminal. You know, he's like, "Yeah, she's she she's wondering if um she's like, so you kill anybody? Do you kill people? Did you kill a lot of people?" And he's like. And and you can see her; she's kind of frowning. And he's like, "I only killed the ones who deserve it." And she's like, "Yeah," she's smiling, she's loving it. Um, and, and so she, Ginny spills the beans on her mom. You know, my mom's an asshole. I I I I'd shoot her if I could, uh, but my dad's awesome. You'd like my dad. My dad's cool. So um, they go to get something to eat in a, you know in a little diner, and uh, Lapham flashes uh 
Paul's wallet. And he's got a good amount of money in his wallet, right? So but, but, but there's something I wanted to ask you about in this. Because um, in this issue, um, you mentioned the eight-panel grid being the thing. But in this issue, we see a little bit of a different situation for the first time where um, where Lapham uses uh, solid black, like blackout panels. Yeah. Um, like we're so and, – and I mean I kind of took it to be like, you know, it's just because – the narrative called for six panels instead of eight, but it's like, I didn't know if you thought there was more to it than that. No, I think Ginny has some holdover from the attack. She's blacking out. You know, I, like I think she has lapses. like little tiny, I don't want to call it a TIA, but like she has okay. dead spots. Okay. Yeah. Is that how you took it? Yeah. Uh, it does make a lot more sense. I didn't think they were necessarily like scene jumps because on the next page, he's in his wallet to get money. And then, it's a scene jump and then we're inside the diner. So it's, it's, yeah, I, I could see, I could see Vince's point. Well, I mean, I just go by what little, what evidence we're given, right? More often than not, the black panels happen within a scene. The one that happens after the wallet, that's a rare black. Right. Cause, cause the one on the the prior page is, 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 her just saying, "I'd gun her down." Black panel, and then he's, she's. They're looking at the gas being it. Yeah, so, yeah. It's, it's just a second or two later. There's so. definitely uh, some time elapsed, right? Yeah. Um, and, and so they're and they're eating at the so at the restaurant they're they're getting their eat on and uh, and and you know he's 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 talking her up. They're going to be partners. They're going to go to Vegas. You know, it's going to be awesome. Like he used to be a bigwig in Vegas. He says, but then he had bad luck. But but uh, they're going to be a team, and you know he's going to set them up with the place out there. And she's and here's the thing. Like, yes, he's a creep. Like, clearly he's a pedo. Like, we get that. Like, that's on the nose. We see that. But, like, what also shouldn't be lost is, like, this, this 11, 12-year-old girl. Is that she's bowed about it. Like, she's not creeped out by this. She's no. Like, to Vegas. She's like, oh, cool. Like, let's do it. You have guns. You're going to teach me how to shoot a gun. Like, you're going to help me kill my mom. Like, we're going to go to Vegas. Like, she's for it. She's she's all in. She Yeah. This isn't, like, she's not, like, she's not being tricked into, like, some kind of dastardly situation um she's she's for it she's 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 for she's the adventure uh, as far as what, right, but you know, what he but may want it, it she's not aware of i don't think she may not be aware of the sexual implications right sure, yeah. but, but but she's certainly aware that he's at least he's a criminal and yeah. that they're going to be committing crimes and living a life of crime and she's for it and she's like, hey, cool, yeah cool. and the one of the more disturbing sequences is they're in the diner and as kids do mm. they play with their food Page 115 is straight Lolita Nabokov stuff. And it again, it's like, it's brilliant. It's Lapham as a brilliant cartoonist, but it's also fucking hugely disturbing. It is. Like, it's she's awesome. Got, she's got the, 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 the cheese on the, you know, she's making, <laughs> I think the cheese. And it's like the saliva is like coming out of her lips and she's like licking her fingers clean. And like, he's just mesmerized. Yeah. And the, the contents of the panels, you could tell that that's paul's we're seeing through paul's eyes in those in those panels because she's sucking the cheese off her thumb and it's a real tight shot of you don't even see her eyes it's just the the bridge of her nose and her mouth going she's sucking that that cheese off and then she pulls the the thumb out of her mouth and there's there's a stranded cheese (laughs) and he's she tells him about the scar and he's like yeah i like that scar that's a you know that's pretty pretty butch looking that's tough and he goes very sexy and the, yeah. the, the fucking waitress overhears him <laughs> she goes <clears throat> and, and and both of them kind of berate 
the waitress. They're not very nice to her. And, you know, Ginny wants, she's a kid, she wants cherry pie. And Paul's like, yeah, give me some cherry pie. I'll take some cherry pie. <laughs> so they, they, they plan a heist, right? And, and Paul lets um, Ginny write the ransom note. He's got, I'm going to go into this here convenience store and I, I mean, I'm going to rob it. So, um, you you can't come in like cause you're, you're you know you're you're underage you're a minor you, here's what you could do you you write the ransom note for me and she does but it's so cute it's it's, it's like ridiculous. hand over all the money in the register and I won't blow your brains out maybe with two <laughs> big ass exclamation points totally <laughs> uh, dorbs and, but he's like hey. You, you got to be my lookout. You stay in the car. If you see anybody, a policeman come in, you beep. He's like, but if it's the feds, what does he say? Beep twice, right? Yeah. So she's she's watching, and she she's she's a good uh, lookout, right? But she's still fixated on that freaking glove box, and and uh, an ant from the glove box gets on her hand, and she's like, oh shit, is it really there? Who knows, right? And then she sees a policeman heading towards the convenience store and you know honk honk she she's she's alerting her buddy and her her accomplice in the the convenience store like come on right and she's she's worried she's fucking she's down in the seats and the shadows are playing on her like beautifully like so labum does a really good job with the shadows in this sequence and paul just comes out right and he's got a bag of stuff and he's like, you know, you did real good. Let's go. Um, and gives her the bag, and it's full of money. He's like, yeah, this is awesome. I got about 500 bucks. Now you know he took the contents of his wallet and dumped it in the bag. Because there is no fucking way that a cop could enter a convenience store and then make a getaway without being pursued. There's no well, way. I you're right. You're absolutely right. But by the time we get to the end of this particular story, that could have been a campaign contribution. And the cop is talking to him as if, you know, they know each other. Right. Yeah, they're yucking it up. They're laughing. I mean, they're having chit chat. But he plays too. it up like the, these these. This oh, is our. Her, yeah, the yeah, this closed. this is our ill gotten booty. This is it, you know, and and the one uh, literal nail in her coffin is he allows her to smoke. He's like, yeah, I got some cigarettes. You know, you, you want one? There's a, there's a lighter. And she's smoking. And the kid doesn't choke, doesn't cough. She's just smoking like a, like a fiend. She's tired. And he's like, hey, you know, why don't we go get a motel, right, or whatever. And, and he's still lecherous. Uh, but the, the real gist of it is is that he was going to take her home. He's like, she wakes up. He's like, I'm taking you home. Uh, opens the glove compartment, that fabled mystical glove <laughs> compartment, and there's no gun in it. There's campaign buttons. Yeah. And he's he's running for office and gives her a button for the sole purpose of reaping the spoils of the media attention. Mm-hmm. He recognized who she was. He manipulated her into thinking he was something that she he wasn't for the sole purpose of using her to get notoriety he's like they're gonna eat this shit up like this is it and they get to the applejack house and there's uh 
TV trucks outside. There's cars. The place is loaded with people. It's, it's a spectacle. Um, mom, is that mom or is that dad? No, it looks like looks like mom. That's mom. Mom run. Mom. mom runs because the cameras are on. Mom runs out. Jenny, and so it's it's like you know a great American story. The 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 good triumphs we found this girl and not we this paul barrow who's running for office vote for me on blah 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 he just used her as you know a kleenex he had his way and he just tossed her to the side Mm -hmm. ridiculous but the creepiest thing about this issue is i mean there is now a man in office who is a pedophile Right, I don't think he was hiding that. Like that's that's part of his character. He has a propensity for young young girls, but the restraint he showed because he had he was using her as a means to an end. He was really good at what he was doing with this kid. The manipulation, which means to me that he's done it before. No, sure. Oh, I think he's a hundred percent a pedophile. I don't right, but now because now this guy's in office. Like, well, he's running. We don't know that he wins, but ah, uh, well, it's pretty much assured, right? I mean, sure. In Lapham's world, maybe not, right? Right. Yeah. But the lick in the lips. Okay. I, I I see uh, Natural Born Killers mm. with um, Rodney Dangerfield. And he's <laughs> that one scene. Oh, God. <laughs> Whatever. So, um, anything else on that one? Uh, no, I mean, I mean, <laughs> like again, for me, that's a standalone issue. This one is one that I'll never forget. I remember that pretty much every panel was rereading it. I was like, yeah. oh yeah, it's a good one. It's a damn good one. Issue number five is called "Backing Up the Truck." Spring nineteen eighty one in Baltimore. Yeah, so, so three years later. Yeah, and it shifts from the last issue. Shifts to Spanish Scott. He he's uh, he's involved in a hit and run. Dude, the face on Spanish Scott when he's, run. when he's running the person over, he's absolutely he's 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 gleeful. <laughs> he's like, yeah, he's is, gleeful to be running is, the person over. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> ran over uh, what looks to be a young man, um, and uh, it, it's a horrible, horrible scene. The the guy is is twisted in a pool of blood in the middle of the street and and there's pills around him and he has a gun somewhere underneath him um but there's a phone number yeah scrawled on his palm Mm -hmm. and this is where we we get a a new character introduced his name's orson and he's a high school senior just about to graduate smart kid you know clean cut combs pushes his hair to the side you know Um, white collar shirt on he's got the old my three sons going on right um, and and he's. I feel he's, like that's how Dap dressed back then. Uh, white uh, No, not the sweater vest. No. All right. This is my sweater vest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but and so so as with any kind of horrible incident, um, the public gathers, and uh, Orson is there, um, and among the, the the onlookers is also Rose. Thanks. And Rose is a predator. She's doing what she's doing, and she kind of, uh, you know, weasels her way next to Orson, and her feminine wiles take uh, their toll on the young man. He's, there's one panel where he's specifically staring at her ass. Mm-hmm. He's got a nice ass. Yeah. 
the 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 girlfriend of the deceased is freaking out, screaming. It, it it's just a horrible scene. Uh, I love the, the panel. Uh, that same that same page where he's zooming in on Rose's ass um, at the end with the girlfriend. They're carrying her away because she's in hysterics, and she's and they zoom in. He zooms in on her open screaming mouth and like her her tonsils and stuff. Like it's, it's yeah, uh, it's just, yeah. That's it's, it's you, you bring, like yeah. it, like like him, he, he he does these really interesting things with 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 camera angles a lot and uh and and it I think he does it right you know yeah. uh, there was a book we just read that I I think I, I can't remember what, what it was but I commented like I thought the camera angles were off sometimes um I don't know it was just something we were talking about but but uh like the choices for the different cameras felt like they was like oh I want to draw this from a different perspective but it didn't didn't really feel like it was serving the story but I think with Leibum it very much serves the story well right and one of the reasons why I specifically mentioned Blue Velvet is I think Leibum is very much uh, of the David Lynch uh, mindset when it comes to setting up scenes and focus. Um, they share a lot of tendencies. Uh, so Rose is really laying it on thick with yeah. uh, with Orson, you know. He's like, hey, boo, what's yeah. he doing? And Orson, Orson just wants to go. He's like, I, I just, you know. He, well, he's back. I, he's, I mean, what, he's, I don't even know. Do we know how old he is yet? 17. He is 17, but I don't know if she did. He still, I don't know if he's told her at this point yet, but yeah, but he's a 17 year old kid. Just saw someone get killed in an accident. Like he's, he's vexed. He wants and to She's in. just blown like whatever. Yeah. Just another, another day. Um, but she, she really uh, comes on to him and she's got her arm crooked in his, his arm. And he's like, yeah, hey, you know, how about we go get something to eat? You know? Uh, but Orson's, he's really pissed that, that somebody would hit another human being and just leave. He's like that scumbag. I can't believe it. The blood, it was, it was horrible. He's like, I, I, my day was going pretty good. And she's like, yeah, let's go get some lunch. <laughs> yeah. And it's interesting. So again, like he's, he's arguably to this point in Stray Bullets, the most normal and morally, uh, upstanding person we've met. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 He's just a, a, an innocent, smart kid heading off to college, like just appalled that someone would hit and run. Like it just the, the, can't even imagine a world where someone would hit and run. Like like much less wallow in the depravity of everything else we've seen going on. That that that's funny because my my notes for poor Orson caught in Scotts and Roses and Monsters World, and it's like it, it, he was he was mm-hmm. fine until he was fine at the start of the day, but yeah. Yeah, but I don't. I think I don't think you should be so nice to Orson because I think he's got a little. Oh no! Yeah, we. He, he's no, I'm saying to this point. Just, to this right. point, yeah, he's but he, really innocent. But yeah, he's, he's got some problems too. I mean, to to be so gullible and naive that you would fall for a person like Rose, you met her in one day, and and all of a sudden, like he's crying when he's talking to her on the phone because he thinks that he's letting her down later in the, in the, in the story. It's like, come on, dude, you just met this girl. Like what about his past forced or, or, or propelled him to cry to a woman? He barely even knows. Like it just doesn't make any sense. I don't know. But, uh, so, um, they go out to eat and, and they're having fun and he's roses. She's, blatant she's like hey you want to sleep with me and he's like well, the kid doesn't know how to answer he's like well no but i mean yeah i do but i mean no, I'm just, i you know and she's like all right all right um how about this i'm I'm throwing a party saturday why don't you come over and he's like yeah, okay 
Uh, and, and and she kisses him, which which pretty much seals his doom. Um, home life's a little weird. Um, uh, Orson's sister um, is kind of like the black sheep of 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 this little family because um, Orson is seen as you know the good boy, but Ginny, his sister, she's kind of a problem child and does what she wants and doesn't take no fucks. Um, She's a year younger than him. He's seventeen. She's sixteen. Yeah, and yeah. but he he confides in her. Yeah, they, they're tight. I mean, they're tight. Like right. the parents think think she the girls. Are, but again, like it's not like they, it's not like the sisters like she she's she gives her parents lip and she's like I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. But she's not like she's not like we get no indication she is uh, anything other than a, a a rebellious precocious teen. You know? Right. I mean, again, like my you know my wife many times told her dad to go fuck himself when they were teen when she was a teenager. But she, you know she's not doing the shit that that uh, you know that that. that uh, that many of the females in this in this book are doing so i like yeah. i i think that it's like i think it's important and i think especially because orson is an important character throughout the series like like there we're watching the corruption of orson i mean orson was yeah. one accident witnessing away from a very normal life of heading off to duke university and studying electrical engineering on a full scholarship like he would have been he was a nice jewish boy that got a scholarship to study electrical engineering after working very hard in school with doting parents and he would have had a very normal life, and that is not that is not Orson's future, unfortunately, <laughs> because he meets yeah. Rose. He's Ross yeah. Geller. He's he's well at yeah. this point he's Ross Geller. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, Orson can't get that number out of his head. He remembers, right. so he's a very smart kid. He remembered that yeah. number, um, so he 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 decides to call it. And the woman on the other end asks Scott, which, okay. Uh, Orson doesn't know, but we as the reader know shit's going to go south really quick, right? Mm-hmm. So um, he wants to go to the party, but mom reminds him that, hey, your grandparents are coming on Saturday. You know, you can't go to a party. Grandma, you know, the grandparents wants to see you. So um, Orson stays home to see his grandparents instead of going to the party and meeting Rose and and – this is a scene that makes very little sense to me um, in that Owen is a very smart or Orson is a very smart kid and it's late and he's in bed and the phone rings in his room and it's Rose wondering where he was. And it's how the hell did she get his number? Did she do a star 69 on the uh, did, did was the number? On the, the the guy's palm, Rose's number. Like I don't remember anything in the story where he gave her his phone number, and yet the phone right. rings and he's 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 talking to Rose and he doesn't even consider like wait the wait a minute how did she get my number? Well, yeah, that's true. I actually had never thought of that. I've read this three times. This is should have like over my life. I've never thought of that disconnect. You're, so she's like you're right. I, yeah. I, I just assume, I guess I just assume like at some point he gave her the, digi- the digits, but yeah. well, maybe. But, but why it, would he have though? But yeah. Lapham is is explicit in many many things. Why? Right. No, he... you're right. Yeah. And why 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 would the kid being a seven innocent seventeen year old that lives at home give her the number? Right. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. But, yeah. Unless she's connected and just well, no. I mean that, that, no. that's a little bit too much just to get his number, but it, it's it's yeah. not. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Um, and in, for a, a number of angles, like she, number one, why didn't he question it? Number two, uh, she she lays it on real thick. Like she says, where were you? 
you let me down. What the hell? You said you were going to come. You didn't come. And again, he's making with the crying. Like, dude, come on. Um, so she's like, all right, meet me on Wednesday. And he's like, wait a minute. I'm, I'm graduating on Wednesday. I'm graduating high school. I, I, I can't come. And, and so she should do. Yeah. So he's, he's waffling and, and she ends the call with a very well-placed fuck you. All right, then, you know, that's more important than me. Great. Do your little thing. Um, so it's Wednesday and Orson arrives at Rose's with a bouquet of of uh her namesake roses and and he's he's walking up the steps and and he's he's overhears this argument and it's it's monster and rose screaming at each other something about harry you know says they're going to move to california and and monsters like who the fuck is this and monster having a hair trigger almost rips orson apart he almost tears the kid limb from limb and, and scott's like whoa, whoa wait a minute wait th- th- this is a kid you know it's, it's nobody don't worry about it so rose consoles orson with alcohol and and pot and pills and she somebody brings out a birthday cake and somebody shows orson his her boobs and and the room becomes a blur and it's spinning and he um somewhere within the uh the mindfuck, Orson hears the voice that he heard on the phone. But he pukes and he blacks out and he wakes up the next day and the place is a mess. Uh, and, and there's young Joey again asking for someone named Janice. And uh, or Orson finds a note in his pocket that reads, Thanks, Sam. And he 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 tries to gather himself and he, he and rose is there but he wants nothing to do with rose and he gets the hell out of there and he runs into beth and he's like wait a minute do i know you have i ever met you before and then he this is the capper he witnesses another accident <laughs> <laughs> But it's a woman. This it's, it's unlike the first accident, which was calculated by Spanish Scott. This is is actually a, a a random occurrence. It's an unfortunate but random, unplanned occurrence where a woman hit a pedestrian, and Orson just freaks out. He punches the lady. He lunges at her, and it, it's just like as if this universe couldn't be dark enough. The one thing that set Orson on mm-hmm. his downward spiral happens again to the kid yep oh my god it's it's <laughs> I, I i i really appreciate this kind of approach because it's not it it doesn't have the same claptrap the same you know hackneyed oh everything comes out good in the end bullshit ending it's it's definitely not hallmark right um mm-hmm. but i i i love the darkness in this book Oh yeah, I mean, I, I mean, fucking punches the chick, dude. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking great. There's a hopelessness to everything, which yeah. plays in perfectly with the nihilism. I think he was inspired in in, in uh, he sold T-shirts with the gun, you know, the gun in the spiral that mm-hmm. that design, innocence. He there was actually T-shirts with that on it, and mm-hmm. I, I never bought one. I wish I did. Um, now, in retrospect, it's too late, probably. But um, yeah, it's just it's so so morose. <laughs> it's just really dark. <laughs> but thankfully, the darkness is abated, albeit temporarily. 
by the destruction of the entire planet. And what do we mean by that? Well, you'll see. Because issue number six, which goes by many, many names, too many to name, um, is the introduction of Lapham's signature character, Amy Racecar. This is her first appearance, right? Um, it starts off with a very, very young Amy having a talk with God, or someone who who plays him on TV, and she she's talking to, to God and uh, asks him, "Why did you take my father?" Um, turns out we we learn later in the story that Amy's father died trying to retrieve Amy's ball from under a pinto. My grandfather had a pinto. Not the most attractive car in the world. No, 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 no. Yeah. Um, so uh, the 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 dialogue between her and God does not go well. He's like, honey, um, you know, it, it's all pretty much hopeless. You know, heaven is not for human beings. You know, whatever your aspirations, you're never going to end up there because you get you guys aren't allowed in. You live, and then you don't. You you just become nothing, and and. You know, you could you could live your life and and make the best of it, but that's it. You know, there's there's really no no reward other than me pulling out a quarter yeah. from your ear. And Amy's <laughs> dad is dead because she's asked God, "Where where's my da- where's my dad?" Yeah, dad? yeah, it's the whole thing. But he died. Um, so, it, but in the waking world, Amy is unresponsive. She's bedridden. Um, she needs constant uh, care. Um, which is the the uh, realm of her mother, who just wants nothing to do with it. And it's another. It, it's almost like Ginny's mom. This woman is a royal bitch uh, to the point where Amy's, like I said, unresponsive, and she takes the the spoonful of whatever it is she's feeding her, and she just twaps it at her forehead, and the the food is just streaming down Amy's unresponsive face. It's it's a beautiful, touching scene. Um, but the mother has tended, at least we're told up to this point, tended to Amy for a long time, um, and will take any kind of attention gladly from any direction, uh, it comes uh, like the, the, the guy, there's a man that comes in and he, he's like, uh, it's obviously a doctor cause he has a stethoscope. All doctors carry stethoscopes <laughs> and, um, He's like, oh, I can only imagine this is so hard. And she's like, it has been hard. It's very hard. I, my husband's dead. My my daughter's a f- broccoli. And, um, <laughs> you know, and, and he's like, oh, you're a good mother. And he's like licking her face. And it, it just, it, it descends from there. They, uh, specialists comes, come in two years later and, and they're just like, yeah. And, and it's so great that Lapham, uh, one of the doctors is is German, and speaks in uh, affected language. Yeah, this is how we do it. And he has they have something called, and it's a revolutionary device. It's it's almost untested, but we're going to give it a shot. It, it's called the Truth Machine, and and it could see into the psyche of of that the person it's attached to. And we're going to try and uncover this traumatic event that 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 is at the root of her condition. So they hook her up to the machine and the talk with God plays out. You know, there's no heaven for people. You just die. And chaos ensues. They go apeshit. One of the doctor 
defenestrates himself, throws himself out of a window, fucking carnage, the mother's a mess, the, the, the hopelessness of the situation is just, of everything, is just playing on these people. Mom goes and grabs a knife. <laughs> Seems like all the, 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 the uh, top-level characters in this book have their face scarred in some way. Um, Mom starts slashing at Amy, and the doctors are just like, yeah, 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 do it. Because they have to remove it. They have to, this can't get out. This information would, would cause chaos. It can't be disseminated. We have to erase it at the source. So they're like, yeah, cool, cut your daughter up. This absolves us of anything. And as she's cutting trenches in Amy's face, Amy wakes up. And punches her mom in the stomach, grabs the knife, throws it into the face of a soldier guarding the door, takes the soldier's automatic weapon, blows everybody in the room away, including her mother, just reduces them to just steaming piles of wet meat. Um, uh, The newspapers say, coma girl goes berserk. And so Amy embarks on a crime spree, right? Uh, And she hooks up with an FBI man named Jake who shields her from the agents within the organization like he he sends agents on wild goose chases chases he diverts attention he's the buffer between you know you know the man and Amy and you know they're romantically linked they're getting their freak on and she's just like you know yeah I'm, I I got to go back to work meaning crime because yeah, my my grandmother's treatments are, are really expensive. It's probably a lie, right? Um, and so she goes and in, 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 out into the world and she tries to, she's going to rob a bank. Shit, I need some money. But it's all set up because um, Jake set her up uh, to further his career. And she's captured. She's, 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 uh, they, they taser the shit out of her. There's like tasers coming from every angle. And she's out of it. Um, she's tried, and they make the big mistake of hooking. Now, now that that um, the truth machine gains traction over the course of the events, and and it's used in courtrooms to to divulge the the, the truth. And they make the big mistake of hooking Amy up to the truth machine. So now everybody, the the case is heavily televised, right? So now everybody in the whole world sees the events of her talk with god and it just everything crumbles the 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 media um reports there's no god everything's pointless uh the the amy escapes somehow we're not shown but she escapes and the president wants to make a deal with her you know will will absolve you of everything all your past misdeeds erase them you just got to come on tv and tell everybody you made the whole damn thing up because we need order we need we, we can't have the entire sum total of humanity thinking that there's no point to all this we need you just do, do me this favor and we'll just erase it all and she does it she goes on tv and she's very convincing to the point where the president falls in love with her and he's like oh mm-hmm. y- yeah yeah that was great did you uh, how about how about you marry me and and you know we'll have a great life and amy's just like she's looking around and she sees this big button mm-hmm. on the president's desk and it's it's the big red button and so she just uh, she she slams it 
and the nukes go off and the planet is destroyed but not before amy can find a rocket ship to vacate the premises and she goes into space and pilots her ship into the heart of the sun the end i i also and i we may have talked to him about this over the years when he was on the show but in rereading this i was struck by how much i think lapa must have been an influence on remender yeah it's really close yeah you're right yeah 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 but i mean this issue is very uncharacteristic because while the previous um five were grounded in the dregs of reality this one is a complete flight of fancy it has no connection to anything that came before it amy's story does continue but those issues never to my knowledge i can't remember them ever interacting with anything from the other narrative uh what okay well hmm. i mean so i don't remember when it was established but it is established at some point that this is Ginny's writing Ginny Ginny created the character as a proxy for herself and writes, yeah, writes fiction right stuff. Yeah. right but this the 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 fiction never other than being from Ginny like it, you never see things from the other narrative pop up within Amy Racecar's story you know what oh, I mean? No, like it's purely a, it's purely Ginny's fictional world, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. just it's it's like a fever dream. She's trying to just process yes things. Right. Um, I mean, to your point, and again, I think this issue on its own is like really clever. I, I, I it is my least favorite issue of the seven because I I didn't want to be. I know he, I know Lakeman was trying to pull us out of that world intentionally, so so successful, sure. But I wanted to go back to it. Like I was, I'm like, let me go back to the to the to the tregs. I want, I want more of that. Well, I, I like the absurdity of it. Sure. No. Again, I, I'm not trying to smirch it, but I'm just saying it, it. It 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 did. It served its purpose, and it feels completely uh, anathema to everything else that came before it and after it. Yeah, it's clever as fuck. I think, but yeah, um, it, it's a it's a it's a dalliance. It's it, big picture. It's relatively unimportant, other than the fact that this character got him a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. I mean, the color specials, like Amy Racecar became, you say you said David Lapham back in the day, and people would say, oh, uh, Amy Racecar, yeah. Right. You know? Um, and it all ends with issue seven, the feel-good issue of the bunch. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's called Freedom. Um, mm-hmm. Not for anyone but Tom. Yeah. Uh it, it takes place on Monday, September 20th, 1982. We swing back to Ginny. Her and it's r- worth pointing out that, as you noted, it's it's got we've got the day and date this time, right? So, right. So, and 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 I think that's not that's obviously by design. It's to signify this is a really specific seminal moment in 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 the life of one of the characters. Yeah, it's important, right? Yeah, it's a turning point because um, while you know Jenny's relationship with the mom is still garbage. Um, she's taken up smoking in her bedroom, probably thanks to Mr. Barrow, right? And and Dad comes home from a a, a run, and he's like, you know what? It's, I want to start living. Let, let's go do stuff. Let's take a vacation. Let's go have some fun, you know? And and Lapham makes a point of just showing how strong and virile this guy is, because as they're talking, he's chopping wood, right? And 
Chopping he, wood and showing wood. And, and he he physically like he he's so strong that he can crack a a big piece of wood like with his his the power of just his legs. He's like and he just cracks and he's like, "Yeah, he's a big dude. He's burly, right?" And she's still going on about her mom, and he's like, "Ah, oh, yeah, come on, that doesn't matter. Let's let's just have some fun. We're gonna we're gonna really start living, right?" Uh, so you know, there's a there's a scene where they go out to dinner just to reinforce the fact that that mom and 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 Ginny uh, do not get along. Ginny will do anything to see that her mother does not get what she wants. Um, but. It takes a very, very bad turn because you know Tom is is having some some problems with his stomach and and um you know, it, it 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 may be an ulcer um so while he's on another um run he has the good fortune to come back uh, into a, an event where mom is really going off the deep end and abusing the shit out of Ginny whatever the cause she's being uh celia's being extremely physical with her she's throwing yeah, things at her and she's you know. she's got her right she's got her pinned down and she's she's pawing at her and tom walks in the room and he just says celia get off my daughter not our daughter my yeah. daughter right and um tom consoles jenny and and uh it doesn't get any better, you know. He he's he's looking a little ragged at, at, at three weeks later. Um, he's he's bent over and he's got a bulge in his stomach. Uh, he's looking disheveled and and he's uh, for the first time he's he's very um, concerned with his health because he's like, you know, I'm losing weight. He asks his daughter if his eyes look yellow. Um, turns out, long story short, um, or I'm going to go beat by beat because it's too depressing. Um, Tom has cancer, and he doesn't have he doesn't have long left to live. He's and the bad kind of cancer, yeah, non recoverable, right? And you get this, you get to see, um, and a lot of this, unfortunately, um, you know, it hit home with me because I lived this firsthand. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, this is beat by beat um, how my father went. Right, mm-hmm. and so um, you get to see the the dissolution, the 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 dissolving of the person that was Tom. Yeah. That's how Beth Dad was too. So. Yeah, over a period of pages, and it's it's really hard to to read. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, props to Lapham. I mean, he 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 does a, a magnificent job, but it's not. Again, it's not sunshine and roses. I <laughs> think the irony of that series name is is apparent too. Well, and what we know, and again, from what we know with with Liam saying that a lot of this was pulled from he and Maria's lives, I I, I assume one of them, or you know, one of them must have lost a parent like a right. father this way, right? I mean, but Ginny's at the center of it. Like the last thing Liam um, delineates is that Tom's very bad, throwing up, just out of it. Um, he needs an ambulance. Ginny's the one that calls the ambulance. The ambulance comes and takes her father away and just leaves her alone in the middle of the street. Yeah, that's the fucked up thing is 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 the heartbreaking thing is that is that uh you know, everybody went in the ambulance but her. Right, right. And she's you know? the one that matters most to Tom. Right, right. And she's not there. 
Yeah. Yeah, and it's horrible. It's crushing. Yeah. Uh, Just another another feather in the shit stain of a life that poor Ginny has to deal yeah. with. Another day in the life of stray bullets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Holy and shit! And you go back to the to the camera angles, like on two hundred seven, and and that is that's. I mean, I. My notes were like, you know, 1982, the good old days when dads could show their daughters their junk. It's just it, it's just one of those panels. It's just so weird because you see her eyes going down in the panel. And and, and the panel right before, he's like, yeah, you know, well, you're not going to be as big as me. And then it, it, it was just, it was a moment right before we get to all the bleakness that the rest of the, the chapter contains. It, 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 and it, as weird as it was, it, it was... A, the whole conversation that they were having was was um, was just again going back to the earlier issue with Bonnie and Clyde. It, it was um, just reinforced the relationship that Jenny uh, had with her dad. He's a good man. Yes, was a good man. Yeah, we'll miss him. Mm-hmm. And and it. it in the back of the book, it explains, but for those that don't know out there, I mean, this was the creative hallmark for Lapham, at least from a industry accolades, thrown flowers perspective. I mean, he, he won the Eisner for best writer artist, uh, that sub well, 96, but it would be for, for the book, that, this book that came out in 95. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, he was nominated five times, but he, but this was his win. for Yeah. Best I, the, best. the man got a lot of attention as this book was coming out for you yeah. to pierce that big two membrane. Um, this was one of the sacred cows at, at the comic shop. And that's odd. Like it didn't happen often. Uh, I, the only other time I saw attention devoted to a book to this degree was bone. People, right. people yeah. went ape shit over bone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, and it's worth pointing out uh, again, like, cause sometimes these, times can all run together especially when we talk about the 90s now it's so long ago but 1995 i mean when when we when we take journeys back into the comics world a lot of people are just quick to say oh that you know the the 90s were such a shitty time for comics and and there there were a lot of shitty comics in the 90s but but there were also incredible comics that like this that oh that, yeah uh, that shouldn't be forgotten about because the big two were, were sucking ass during this time right like like there they were still great comics on the shelves um so right I, I so I found something that I thought would be kind of fun. This is from 1995. It is from the Comics Journal, and it's from something called the Shit List. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It says, uh, "Ever go into a comic show?" Oh, that that's the intro. I'll skip that. It says the latest flavor of the month is proof that the fanboy cognoscenti and let's not be sexist fangirl cognoscenti are desperate to validate anything that doesn't look like a superhero or movie tie-in as a mature use of the comics medium. The critical success of Straight Bullets is a testament to the immature judgment that dominates the field. It's got the facile slickness and accessibility combined with arty pretentiousness that are guaranteed to pull the wool over your average gullible comic hipster. Moreover, it's got the advantage of being favorably compared to Swill Like Plasm, for which the artist David Lapham was previously known. It is, in fact, nothing more than a modest, competently executed, middle-of-the-road genre entertainment, and as artless and unoriginal as that sounds. 
the glib, trendy callousness of the characters in Straight Bullets is positively Tarantino-esque. The dialogue banal, the staging derivative. The opening of number three is stolen, excuse me, an homage from Reservoir Dogs, and the story indulges in the cretinous fantasy of the protagonist running off with a wild femme fatale on the spur of the moment. Run away with me, lad, tonight, right now. Let's just go and never come back. There's also an absurd abused children motif that gives it an ersatz humanity, and each issue includes the obligatory self-publisher's letters column that amounts to a drool fest congratulating the artist on his courage and genius. If your idea of art is a television movie of the week, you'll be thrilled to learn that comics have finally achieved that height of human striving with stray bullets. Gary Groth. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Gary Groth is a fucking... He was... A horrible, horrible human being on a lot of on a lot of days. Oh yes, I, I, no, and, and and this is like I read this and I thought Gary was born twenty years too early because he would be the king of Twitter trolls if he if he was young enough to care about that sort of thing. Like he's the king troll. I mean, and it's just great to see this now because this was written months after Stray Bullets first started hitting the stands. And tell me that like that in retrospect that you couldn't like, I wouldn't be at all surprised if, if you saw, if you read a journal retrospective on the brilliance of David Labum, right? Like, like, like Groth is so off base here and it's just, the dude just is full of hate. Like if, if it's not, if he doesn't think it's cool, it sucks. And it's not just like, cause I know a lot of people are like, Oh, Gary hated co- superhero comics. Yeah. But here's a book that was anathema to superhero comics. And he makes fun of it because of that. And he basically says, you're an imbecile. If you liked this. Yeah. Like, <sighs> I mean, having read that magazine for a long, long time, I often wondered how much of his, how many of his screeds were written solely because he didn't publish the book. That's what I'm saying. He was a troll. Yeah, he but was the, a troll. He was the, gaslighting people. Sure. Look at the 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 first couple issues of Love and Rockets. The, it, it plays into the same tropes that superhero comics do. Um, especially with Maggie, right? Yes, Love and Rockets did mature incredibly over the course of its existence, and the the created by two of the the all time greatest cartoonists. But a lot of Gary's rants were based in the fact that he didn't publish the book. I'm sure if he published Fantagraphics, that would have been a totally, or if he published uh, if Fantagraphics published Stray Bullets, that would have been a different totally different perspective mm-hmm. in in that writing sure. um I, I mean i yeah he's he, a horrible human being but again at the end of the day i think he's done a lot of good for comics in 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 a number of ways whatever he the, is the good balanced with the bad i don't know and i'm not i'm not repping for the guy but um he does have his accomplishments i'll give him that uh, but yeah, he's totally wrong on this. Oh no, totally. I mean, I, his 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 contributions cannot be dismissed or or uh, or, or discounted or, or or glossed over. I, but but it is a reminder of the dude as it was it was a, it, yeah. as a human being was a piece of shit. I think. Yeah, I honestly yeah. think that. But yeah, but to not be able to see the the in, the just the inspired approach to to storytelling in this yeah there are it's very reminiscent of tarantino but at this point in in comics we didn't see very much of this right i mean there eisner did similar stuff um miller to a certain extent but that i mean that was that was the 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 basket right there wasn't a whole lot of this 
this stuff going on and i think it was a it was a straight bullets was a quantum leap whatever gary says yeah yeah and it it, it bummed it it to this day it bums me out that that it was never a viable commercial success to the point where he, he had to abandon it you know i mean it, now he did get to come back to it which is great and i'm yeah. hoping i'm hoping that the modern reincarnation had to be at least somewhat more profitable because he did pretty much put out 40 plus issues of sunshine and roses on the regular so but uh but he he abandoned the original straight stray bullets and 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 to his credit was very candid about the fact it was because he had family to support yeah a wife wife and four kids and and freelance was easier faster and, and more and could pay better so there's a lot of brew baker in uh straight bullets oh for too. sure because for sure like well you 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 mean there's a lot of straight bullets in Brubaker? Yeah, and vice versa. Um, but oh, the, not vice versa. Brubaker the, would be Brubaker's not as contemporary. No, I'm not saying that that Lapham took anything from Brubaker. Like you said, right. the, the the timeline's off. But yeah. as, as I as I was going through revisiting these six issues, I was like, man, this is almost it's it's eerily similar to Too Old to Die Young. It's oh, very, yeah. I mean, it's and, very and close. The vibe with criminal too. I mean, it's the, the, that that nihilistic bent to criminal, right? Where where no one really has a, a happy ending. I mean, no, um, yeah. No. But I mean, that's I think that's the way the world works. Mm-hmm. Some people get their happy endings, but more often than not, not so much, right? That the 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 key word here is nihilism, and and I think mm-hmm. that that was that was the absolute. The, you could not have picked. A better tagline for this first volume. Well, the whole series, but especially this first volume. All right. That was awesome. Uh, but if you enjoyed this, there's a way that you can voice your opinions. Uh, go to the, the Patreon. And you can make your voice heard and say, hey, I think you idiots should read this for the book of the month. You can vote in a sense on the book of the month uh you can also come to the slack and just go crazy with uh opinions and and additions and and whatever you want how do you do this you go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics take a look around and that's the portal that's the access way to 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 get into this crazy thing i got no in your travels None. Oh, okay. it's, I mean, I don't think we. Yeah, I, I, I like. Okay. After all that, I. Just, I mean, I'm spent. The, <laughs> I, I focused very heavily. We just did this two days ago. I focused very <laughs> heavily on uh, stray bullets to the uh, expense of everything else. Um, just here in your travels. Come back next episode because there you go. We'll be talking about a whole mess of comics. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, I think we will be. You also don't have any travels, David. Um, I I could, but I, I I won't I won't mess up the mood. All right. Well, I'll just say in your travels, please do exercise your right to vote. Oh, yeah. oh, hundred percent. Yeah, that because uh, yeah, yeah. We got we got elections and and elections, regardless of how they go uh, and, and how you think they're going to go. Every vote does does matter as we're learning, and and will continue to matter even more with some of the shenanigans that are happening. So, so. yeah. Don't think your vote doesn't matter. It does. If you do vote, send us a picture with the old I voted sticker, and next time you come back, we'll have a cookie waiting for you. Oh, cookie. What kind of cookie? 
Well, if I had my druthers, it would be no oatmeal raisin. I mean, I'm I'm down with the oatmeal raisin. I mean, that's that's the it's the king of the cookie. Cool, right? I mean, I'm not sure I co-signed. I mean, I I enjoy myself an oatmeal raisin cookie, but I enjoy baking for my wife. But I am I'm 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 not really a fan. Oh, it's the texture. It's the texture. No, it's not. It's I mean, it's anti anti sultana. No, actually, what I uh, no because I do like raisins, especially like chocolate covered raisins. But the uh, I um I make when she wants her oatmeal raisin cookies, I'll make some with uh, with chocolate chips, just so that you know I can still use the same same batter. But ah, look at I can you. Kind of make the cookies that I want, but yeah, I just I'm I'm not she I like that. I'm that. fine with them, but I'm not. They're not. I do not think that that's the be all and all of 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 a cookie. You're you're lucky. I thought you were going to say macadamia nuts. I, oh I, no. Yeah, I would I, pun- punch God in the face for making the macadamia nuts. The face. I'm trying to think what my favorite cookie is. I mean, I I, I guess are, would you count macarons as a cookie? Because if you would, then that's my favorite for sure. Okay, it's a cookie. There you go. It's Prince of Cookies. Macarons? Yeah, because oatmeal's a king. Got it. Okay. (laughs) All right. We're out of here. Remember, we'll be back really soon. So stick with us. In the meantime, go to your comic shop, buy some books, go eat some great food, kiss and hug your loved ones, pet your your little men and your little women, aminals, and come back because David has to say goodnight. I need an instrument. I swear I'm going to buy a ukulele. David. (laughs) Good night. You're dirty. After all the wholesomeness we gave them this episode, you're going to finish with the skin flute? David. Nice. I'm staring lovingly at my Domino and Ginny commission, my dude. (laughs) I think we should just leave it at that. Uh, oh, yeah. We'll just ding ding. Domino teaching Ginny how to how to be a sniper. Gotta love it. That's it for that one.